Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're measuring flicks <laughs> Just do it! And I'm doing it! Just do it! Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks I am Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson And that's the first time that we've done that in season two. Carl, firm handshakes all around. Yes. Yes. Bravo. Bravo. All right. So, guys. Season two. Welcome to season two of Measuring Not Flex. Not only do we make it through season one, we are now into season two. I, yeah, make it through. That's not. No. Not we, only did we excel, excel at, season, at season, one, season one, we have accelerated into season two, and now the car is skidding wildly on the ice. We're a little nervous. Like, I love it. Carl's I, c- clutching the oh shit handle. I'm like God, 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 and I'm like, I just gotta give it more gas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that's what we're doing in season two. We are we are definitely giving the the, the pod more gas. So for those of you who uh, now okay on iTunes when I when I put mm-hmm. these up. Um, you can differentiate between seasons, seasons of podcasts. So I'm not sure how this episode will post. Honestly, we might get a, like a collection and it might post as season two or whatever. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, so we'll see how that goes. But if for those of you who are jumping in on this episode, just know that there is an entire first season to measuring. 52 full length. More episode. than that. Oh, there are. We had because shootouts. we had shootouts. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I think it's close to 60. It's like 58. 58 or 59 episodes and including the award show. how many on the Patreon do you think? Two a month minimum. Oh, there was a lot of times fuck. there was four. Because we did that, uh, the I oh, Spent the, on Your Grave the series. Christmas shootout the, was huge. Oh my not, God. The Christmas, the Christmas Patreon bundle, episode yeah. itself was like 13 episodes yeah. or something like that. So uh, You have almost 100 episodes in the bank. In the bank. Between main season, first season and Patreon together. Yeah. So for those of you who are curious about the Patreon episode. Jesus, another firm handshake. We did over 100 episodes <laughs> We watched year. a lot of movies Woo! this year, Carl. Uh, so for those of you who are interested in the Patreon, it's patreon.com slash quillandfilm, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M. That's where we do all of our sequels, all of our uh, remakes for the movies that we watch in the main season, and also just movies that... We kind of just want to watch, but yeah. don't fit into the fabric of a, our seasons, which we kind of meticulously plan around. Yeah, themes. we have themes every month. And what is the theme this month, Maxwell? This month's theme. The first, we did March Madness last year. This mm-hmm. year, we're going ape shit. What does that mean? It means we're going to watch all of the Planet of the Apes movies back to back. They can't see because we still don't have a video. No yet, video. I'm doing a shimmy. <laughs> Dude, I'm dancing. You're shimmying. I'm Charleston-inging oh, under the table. Oh, great. Um, we're also adding a segment to the show. I'm only bringing this up because I kind of want to take a drink of yep. it. We, I waited um, until you announced it. I, I am going to try. I think I was original. My original idea was just because I'm going to buy you hurricane glasses for your birthday. You should dude. Yeah. Please do. I have got some tiki glasses up there. This one specifies that it needs to go in an old, old fashioned. So that's why I grabbed enough. it. But I think this year I'm going to try and drink a different tiki drink on every episode we record. I'm going to try it. I'm the, excited for it because that means I get booze. If you ever need like me pick up a bottle of something, you just find some me weird ingredient or something or, or just a, a, a simple, cause I do need it's Galliano from, for one. So we want to pull some, you want to pull something from the bill Pullman ball bar cart every episode. Yeah. 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 We should probably, I mean, I can definitely work blue Curacao in. So, um, yes. I, originally we were going to try and do it for the planet of the apes things. We'll see how this goes. Right. <laughs> 
maybe I could take a month and do all like whatever. We could pick a theme or something. Yeah. So for the Planet of the Apes, any excuse to drink. Really. Honestly, I'm right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this month, the or I'm mean, sorry, not this month. So today we've started with the rum, gum, and lime. Oh, uh, that smells right. Just like. Kitchen cleaner. So, <laughs> just like the best. It's got a little hint of pledge. All of the best tiki drinks have to taste like taste and smell like you could potentially degrease an engine with them. Plain mm. engines? Or oh, cheers. Jesus cheers. Christ. Sorry, I had to I had just had to. I had to find out. Mm. Ooh, that's rum. Ooh. It's great radio. Um all right. So what this is is half an ounce of fresh lime juice, one ounce of soda water. Half a teaspoon of simple syrup, half a coiled orange peel, and one piece of lime peel. Good luck with that lime peel. That is yep. a tricky mistress. And then one and a half ounces of either 20-year-old Cuban rum, which I did not do because I don't have 20-year-old Cuban rum right now. I used uh, the Barbancourt 8-year instead, which is a Haitian rum. Really Stir good. it all in an old-fashioned glass full of ice, and then top it with your peels. So that in, that drink comes from the 1930s. What's that called again? Rum, gum, and lime. Rum, gum, and lime. I like it. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It is. It is simple, and it's got that. There are. There's two different. It does t- look a little bit like floor cleaner. There's, well, there's two. There's two different types of tiki drinks in my experience because I've always had a thing for tiki. One. Yeah, it's good though. There's your mai tai. There's your zombie. There's your blue dolphin, where they have a lot of fruit notes and a, a good amount of sweetness. Where there, uh, you have a, a deceptively a deceptive tiki drink, a lot of booze, but you don't taste it. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other tiki drink, which is mostly drinks from the 1930s to the 50s. 60s is when the the fruit syrups and stuff and came in. And you start to get the blend going, right? The blended where, drinks. That yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Or or using crushed ice to kind of mm-hmm. soften drinks, where things start to mellow out a little. Yeah. I'm actually a fan of the 30s to 50s because it's got more of that. You know, like when people come in and they order an old fashioned. And then ask for no wash. That person likes to. They drink. like to drink. Yes. They like to taste their booze. Yeah. The 30s through the 50s for tiki drinks. That's your drinkers' You're tiki drink. Yeah, I love it. This that's is, where they're This like, is delicious. Yeah. No, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big fan. Honestly, you can just put that rum in a glass, though. Oh yeah, you, you drink great. it neat. Absolutely. All right. So what? Let's dive in. What we are talking about today is for the first time on. Measuring Flicks Season 2, our first episode is going to be 1968's Planet of the Apes, directed by Franklin J. Schaffner. Music, I know, I got music and cinematography because yeah. two standout elements of this Fucking film. A, right? The cinematography is done by Leon Shamroy, and the music is Jerry Goldsmith. One of the weirdest and most fitting scores I've ever it heard. It is so strange, and I love Bizarre. it. Um, I wanted that vinyl. We got a lot of stars in this. We got obviously Charlton Heston as Taylor, Roddy McDowell as Cornelius, Kim Hunter as Zira, Maurice Evans as Dr. Zayas, Linda Harrison as Nova, Jeff Burton plays Dodge, and Robert Gunner plays not Sean Connery, a.k.a. I have Landon. that same note, he not looks, Sean Connery. He looks so oh fucking God. much like Sean Connery in this, but I not I was confused quite. at first. I'm when like, I first ooh. saw him like sleeping in the capsule, I'm like, oh my God, I forgot Sean Connery was in this. And then he gets up and like gets out of bed, and I was like, nope. No, that's not. Not Sean Connery. Mm, Sean Connery's like... Not quite as successful cousin. Yeah, cousin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not to take anything from Robert Gunner. I like him as Landon. He's yeah. really good in this. Um, so the first, my first, I don't even have a note at first. Just right off the top of my head, when I 
I didn't look this up until the movie was done. I got all the credits afterwards mm-hmm. on IMDb. 1968. Yeah. This predates Star Wars by almost a decade. That's wild to me, dude. This I know. movie looks like it was shot in the 80s. Yeah. It's it's I mean, obviously it's Planet of the Apes, so it's got it's got a rep and I'm sure they took real care restoring it for the DVD releases and stuff, but it looks so It looks clean. really really good. Yeah. Part of what gives it that feel too, and we'll talk about it as we go through the film, but the cinematography, very clean, classic, complicated long shots with where we're moving from room to room, but without cutting. Mm-hmm. Very like cutting edge cinematography, especially the aerial. A lot of the aerial shots. There's some very strange. The crash camera at the beginning is super interesting. There's a lot of things that would would be. Like if you didn't know it was made in in the in the sixties, you would assume it was a drone shot because that's the only way you get that shot is with the drone. You get ballsy pilots. Is but how you get, get ballsy that shot. pilots is how you get those shots now. It's like, but that was something that that struck me as as completely incredible in this in this film. Are some of those aerial shots where today it's. It's the drone. Back the, then, it's a fucking ballsy pilot doing honestly, all this. I think there are shots in this that were done by like a ballsy pilot that you would just omit from the film or do as CG because it's too dangerous. It's too hard to do. It's nuts. Some of the opening crash sequences are like, and you got to remember too, this is 68. This isn't like a GoPro strapped to a jet. No, this is an actual film There's camera. There's a big ass camera in like the front seat of a plane and then the pilot does a barrel roll. Right. There's barrel rolls in here. Oh, you know, I mean, I'm sure you can nose mount it or something, right. but there's some stuff in here that looks pretty goddamn risky. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this as I was watching those opening credits, which are great because it's just like a, um, abstract flashes of light mm-hmm. after this beautiful little cold open where we get Heston. Heston is giving a little monologue to his on-flight recorder smoking a cigar yeah, in which, a spaceship. Amazing. <laughs> I loved Bird. Bird watched this with me. She didn't want to be on the episode because, um, spoilers, Planet of the Apes is kind of a downer movie. It really is. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of be her voice on this because I, I, I liked a lot of her comments while we were watching. Cool. But uh, her first note in the whole film was how they would never let him fucking smoke a cigar in no. that in that spacecraft. Sure would no not. No way. Um, but uh, in the opening credits, one of the things that I, I don't think I'd ever noticed it before or if I had, it was one of those things that just kind of glazed over my head. But Rod Serling worked was co-writer on this screenplay. Twilight Zones, Rod Serling. Twilight Zones, Rod Serling, yes. And this, this feels like a, a feature-length episode an of... extended yeah. Twilight Zone episode. It does. It has all of that feel about it. Yeah. Um. Just in general, before we get into the nitty-gritty, they don't make movies like this anymore, man. God damn it. You know, we say that. We say that, we say on, that all the, the time. But they really don't. Mm-mm. I mean, there is so much craftsmanship just in the in the in the monkey fa- the monkey faces the masks the 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 sets the design of everything it's yeah there's craftsmanship that occurs in 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 modern filmmaking right sure right. but from the the tone of the story even it's I mean, dark just think about the makeup mm-hmm. budget for yeah. this uh, that's and we can talk about it when we get to it on the patreon but when this movie gets remade later uh, by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. That's all practical makeup too. So yeah, whatever else you want to say about that movie, Mark Wahlberg's they still performance, did it all in camera. All they they paid applications. They did their own yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, and when I read that cast, by the way, with the exception of Dodge, um, Landon and Taylor, 
Roddy McDowell, Kim Hunt, those are all, you never see their face because they're buried in ape makeup. I pointed this out to Bird. I was like, that Zira, the actress who plays Zira, I'm like, that's Kim Hunter. That's one of the most attractive actresses of the 60s. She is stunningly beautiful. And she is buried in prosthetics. You don't get to see that at all. And yet... Yet there are moments in this when she's smiling at bright eyes uh, uh, Taylor sorry when Mm -hmm. she's smiling at Taylor in the cage and she's tipping her chin down and her her eyes There are moments in this where I'm like I I think I'd fuck Zara. I know shit. No, no (laughs) kidding. Yeah When he asks her like I'm gonna kiss you that is an attractive ape. Yep, sure <laughs> like, is. There are definite moments where I'm like, is this okay? I think it is because they're they're humanoid. They're humanoid ish. They came <laughs> We could make this yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, we could make it work. It's it's just like the it's one very small step for man. <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> um all right, so uh, you have notes, I have notes. Yeah. Do you want to you want to dive into the nitty gritty of it? Yeah, let's just do it, man. Because right. we we've got a whole month of Planet of the Apes, and I feel like this movie, the original. I watched all of the trailers for the for the rest of the series after watching this because I wanted to get myself in the headspace of like kind of like doing a double feature. Like this is how you watch movies, right? You know, uh, there the over. I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but the over there's a huge arc to this overall theme mm-hmm. of these movies. They all, it's not just the like first five originals. First five originals are one long story. Yeah. Holy fuck. But, uh, this introduct introductory first chapter, the opening foray, the, yeah. the opening foray. It is such a prologue is what is what it is. It's just a prologue. It's there are things that happen, but this is the, the informing you of, of the rules of the world of how people interact and where, where we are. This is, this is the universe that we live in. And this movie takes an entire movie to, to address all of that and to, to get us in a headspace to prepare us for the, the bigger overarching story that is planet of the apes. So this is a very well fleshed out and thought out and amazing prologue to an overarching story that takes five movies to tell and it's so fucking amazing dude um one of the things that i love about this movie and kind of in that way which is like this as part of the setup because you're talking about how it's setting up this world so that we can play in it for the next four movies one of the things that i love about this movie and it's i think it's actually no it's not my first note but it's pretty close to my first note our hero taylor is wrong about everything the whole movie pretty much Mm -hmm. so like there's this there's this early bit and i'll jump to it because i have a note on it i wrote i wrote down taylor is an asshole charlton heston is brutally unlikable until all of the other humans are dead and then you start identifying with them because there's just no more humans Yeah. yeah there's no more humans that well there there are humans but they're not like we know. So he's the only person we can identify with, which is because when we first meet him and he's sitting in the, you know, in his cockpit and he's like, tell me this much. If anyone's even fucking listening, you loser, stupid humans. Does man still make war on his brother? Does he still let his neighbor's children starve? I 
fucking hate everyone. And yeah, like, seriously. He's just so, I wrote the down. The first lines out of his mouth are sort of like, Jesus. Yeah, and I wrote down, maybe the grizzled pessimist nihilist should have stayed at home. Mm-hmm. These, you know, like, this is the one that we're going to send out into the far reaches of the universe to discover. I, I thought that was the strangest thing ever. I, I mean, like, telling Landon that everyone he loves is dead. Several times. Several times as soon as... Uh, this, what a dick. I have that uh, number two. You still can't get it, do you, Landon? Get it, still Everyone can't get it? It's been ten minutes, you fucking asshole. Right. Uh, yes, the, the monuments Everything you were, knew is gone. Yeah, ev- ev- they'll, no one remembers you because they're all dead and your plaque is green and weathered over. Ha 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 ha! He it, laughs about it. Yeah, hardly. he's he's ha- he he takes like a weird sick joy yeah. in how like bummed out Landon is that it's two thousand years later than he was you know and he had a didn't he have a family? They talked yeah. mentioned at one point. Well, a they knew going into it that the Earth was going to have passed seven hundred years was going to go by. Right. So every everyone on the spaceship knew that there was going to be they were never going to see their families again. That was understood. I mean, at the opening, before they even go into hibernation, yeah. he says, you know, like, there's only there's only one certainty, and that's everyone involved in this project is long dead. Yeah. And you're like, uh... <laughs> Question. That yeah. seems like bad planning. Uh, um, <laughs> so what's the point of the mission, then? If everyone is long gone, yeah, dead... <laughs> And probably doesn't even remember that there was the space program that sent these four people out. Was it to recolonize somewhere else because they brought an Eve? She with was them? supposed to be our Eve. So that's I, also bad planning. Uh, yeah, because you need you need more than one. Ninety six yeah, is the, 96. the current number. You need ninety six yeah. people to repopulate a planet <laughs> without genetic drift and inbreeding. Exactly. So. They had a whole lot of not good planning going on here. Uh, another, I mean, you want to talk about that? This is okay. None of this, by the way, is a critique of the movie. This, no, well, this is this is a fun science fiction yes. movie from the '60s. So, like, but you have to poke fun at it because that's it it's is all here. Yeah, it is. It's part. It's part of the part fun of, of these movies. Exactly. Like, for example, here's a note. Uh, where was where was uh, Stuart supposed to fit in that raft? They throw the raft off the plane, off the the boat, and those three guys are they barely fit in. in. Yeah, where are we gonna fit a fourth body in that thing? <laughs> you don't. Well, you see, they die. You're not. Yeah, right. <laughs> like like Stuart Stuart dies. So luckily, this three person craft they have yeah, thank is God just this works. perfect. Yeah, you're banking on if they ever had to use it, one of you is not surviving anyway. So right. Banking on fatalities. Like I was watching, and I'm, I'm, for my first thought because they, there's the, there's a great moment. Let's talk about the moment when, uh, when Stuart dies. They, they crash land on the planet, and there's like, and they're all waking up, and it's like, starts. How are you guys doing? And yeah, but they're all talking. It's before the flooding starts. They're all talking, and there's score, and then all of a sudden, the score goes completely away, and it goes silent, and Heston goes, Stuart. And stands up, and we see that there's a crack in the glass, and Stuart has aged. Oh, but she's like mummified of, well, almost. Well, yeah. two thousand years. Two thousand years worth of, or, or uh, it'd be thirteen hundred years because she was still correctly hibernating in seven hundred. So right. there was a leak. She died, and she's like mummified, and we hear, and then the water breaks in. It's crazy sound design, spot on. Still, t- still tense to this day. Yeah. And I've seen this movie like five times. Every time I see it, that. Yeah. 
that silence and then they're ramping up weird screams it sounds like air raid sirens layered through screams it's like peter frampton using a talk box on an air raid siren oh my god yes and then the water starts spraying in and they get out okay my first thought is well your woman the one female you brought is dead why are there first of all why are there only four of you second of all why are three of you dudes (laughs) yeah like (laughs) yeah if anything happens to, to the Stuart, one, there's no mission failure. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, what? Uh, uh, yeah, well, it's the, 1968. Well, they had contingency plans back then. There's no contingency plan. If the one goes, there's like, they're like, you always have the backup. That's what, part of they. It's kind of interesting. There's a moment where Taylor says, "Landon, join the expedition," you know, and we do that. Um, so I think. Part of their mission was repopulate the right. this new planet with a bunch of inbred one <laughs> one eyed one, two fingered monsters. But anyway, it's like you know we'll re- we want the future of the human species to be as uh, the as hills possible. have eyes. The hills have eyes is not doesn't take it takes place it takes on place, yeah, this world four thousand, which is our world, <laughs> right? It's two thousand years. Oh in the my future. god, which I love. I love you. Just you just spoiled the ending, Carl. Maybe Did people I? haven't seen this movie oh, from wow. nineteen sixty eight, which Hashtag is iconic. Fucking spoilers then. <laughs> But so I think part of their mission is also to like gather information for who? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know uh, for themselves so that they're better capable People. to to live on the planet. Sure. Uh, because when he's seven hundred light years or whatever, maybe he's making a recording, but maybe he's also transmitting. I got the sense that he's sending transmissions and they'll arrive eventually that on Earth. Time? Well, they're not time traveling. No, but it, it is time has moved forward though. Well, no, he's not sending. He's sending trans. The, I think the idea is this. Here's what I think, and I haven't looked up like fan theories or anything. Although Bird has a really cool one. Um, I think that let's say it's NASA. NASA does this space program, and then they're like, okay, now put in the. We need this in the files. So perpetually, every iteration of NASA from here on out will know that there's this mission happening. Okay. So seven hundred years in the future, whatever. Right. Whatever. Whatever NASA, NASA there is, being, right. they're like, look, there's this thing happening. Let's. Here, here we go. It's you know we'll we'll talk to them and and we'll be getting information from them sporadically because they're not technically time traveling. What they're doing is they're traveling so fast that they've entered uh, like a a time warp in right. in a sense. So they're traveling through time more slowly. That's why they're not aging. They're going so fast that time has sped up outside of this weird right. stasis field. There's a cool there's a cool book about that that explains the science behind this idea called uh, The Forever War by Joel Haldeman. And they talk about this ship projecting like a bubble of energy in front, in of, front it of it so that it can go faster than the speed of light. Anyway, so I think he's transmitting back and I think the idea was when they reach the planet they would transmit from the spaceship and it would take 10 years or 100 years or whatever to get back to but Earth. It wouldn't be but those, as trans- the same, right. those transmissions would still be arriving. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, Bird pointed that out too. She's like, so wait, the, the ship wasn't supposed to land in water. Where was it supposed to land? Why did they crash? I have a theory about that because they're over the Forbidden Zone, which is New York City. So I think residual nuclear fallout fucked with their, fucked equipment, with their equipment and that's yeah. why they crashed. Bird has an awesome theory about this. They didn't take into account parallel universe theory and were traveling so fast that they're not actually on our Earth. It's a parallel Earth. They're on a parallel universe Earth. Which, well, there's a paradox that ends up occurring like three movies in. Mm-hmm. We, I haven't, yeah. I yeah haven't, we, won't, we won't talk about it now, but that makes that paradox hurt 
less. <laughs> it makes it make more sense. It makes it make more sense. Yeah. If this is a parallel universe rather than just strictly time travel, okay. then the what happens, how the apes become the apes, then makes sense how that would... Got it. Right. Okay. So the parallel the universe thing theory softens the, the, thing, yeah. softens the inconsistency ever right. so slightly. It's the paradox like if you were to take all of Beethoven's... Um, music and you go back to to have beethoven autograph all of them and in, in the process you accidentally kill beethoven before he had a chance to write any of his music right. yeah but then you 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 take over the role as beethoven and then you you put out his music right if that was the case and who wrote the music in the first place that inspired you to go do that right right the so paradox. that's the paradox that a, sim- a very similar paradox ends up happening in the overarching story of this and a parallel universe theory softens that blow just a little bit and i like that uh, one of my favorite things about their expedition and uh, the people in 1968, I was talking with uh, after we watched the movie, we went to bed and I was laying there with Bird and I was like, man, 1968 was such an amazing time. And Bird points out the obvious, which is like, oh, you mean Middle like of the Vietnam War? Yeah. She's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Like deep into Vietnam, civil rights has barely just happened. Yeah. Like black people like only have had the right to vote for like a day. Yeah, like that 1968 I'm like yeah yeah okay look Every time in history has got their shitty stuff Yes but there's something about the 60s Where we're about We're gonna put a man on the moon We're gonna put We are putting a man on the moon Yeah we are going to You know like uh, Like we're gonna have flying cars Next year right exactly. or like we're Oh my god like we're about to end hunger like pollution is a thing of the past this idea of there's going to be free like space travel and we're going to colonize the there's this there what I, I said last night is even in this movie which is very dark and very bleak and which has a nihilistic main character even in this movie there's a real sense of optimism about mm-hmm. what humans are capable of yes which i feel like we've lost since the 60s it's gradually and they even address humans as being um the violent and uh oh my god the the way that the 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 way that the one monkey explains it um (laughs) uh zayas dr zayas at the end when he's like he reads the 29th scroll yeah exactly yeah and he's like man will destroy his brother and destroy his home and yours so shun him drive Mm -hmm. him back into the jungle exactly um because they even address it early in the movie too it's like you know they will come out of the forest once they have eaten all of their food and they start destroying our crops because right. they're the, we're like the insects they're that, eating yours yeah. yeah well they talk the about that during the uh during the hearing that's right yeah um which i i have a note about that which i think is kind of fun um but we'll get to it when we get to mm-hmm. it which is there's a even even in its warning it's warning us because it's show it's telling us like if you don't go down this road, you could go down this road instead. Right, exactly. There's a there's a very there's a there's something I love about the '60s, which is that sense of we can do anything. Anything is capable. Anything is avail. Uh, all options are available mm-hmm. to us. We can. There's no challenge we can't overcome. It's so hopeful. Um, it's utopian. Mm-hmm. Have you seen but Interstellar? I have not. All right. There's one line. It's in the trailer, so this isn't a spoiler. But there's a there's a line in there in Interstellar, which I think might be my favorite science fiction movie of all time. Interstellar is one of my favorite films. It's a masterpiece. When we do watch it for the show eventually, you have to watch it here so you can hear it with the badass sound system. Yeah, I don't. But um, 
there's a moment where Matthew McConaughey is talking to like the head of NASA and basically it's the world of Planet of the Apes where like there's crops won't grow okay. and there's we're running out of water everything and is like the human species poisoned is, we're heading planet, towards yeah. extinction yeah and there's a moment where he and he's like a crop crop dusting pilot and he used to be a, an astronaut I think I haven't seen it in a while but there's a great moment where he's talking to the basically the head of NASA who's asking him to go on this mission and if he goes on this mission it'll be like this where they're going to go so fast that there'll be time travel and by the time the mission's done everyone at home will be dead so but if he does the mission he might be able to save humanity but he's talking about uh, uh, there's a moment where he goes there was a there was a time where human beings looked up at the stars and wondered and now we just look down at the dirt mm-hmm. and you're like it's it's almost like watching someone an astronaut from the 60s talk about 2018 where where they're talking about you why don't we slash why do we need to go to the moon again let's yeah, slash funding all of that is why do we need to go and do the ro- did you hear about the rover have you heard about the rover fucking, thing yeah did you cry yeah i fucking cried yeah i know because that's part of our our history, our culture, the explorate the the need to explore. Right. I think that's it. I think that we should think of that less as because yeah, okay, America, we got to the moon. That was that was mm-hmm. our thing. We're the first ones to the moon. So we we have this legacy of space exploration. But I think that that should be a human thing. It that curiosity, be. absolutely. Like that's why Starfleet. That's baby. why we've got NASA. Bit. Exactly. <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. Like, it happens to be located in uh, San uh, Francisco, uh, but it's the humans. Excuse me, what we're living on Mars is like going to be way too difficult to do. Okay, yeah, sure. No, I'm all for, yeah. fix the planet. I'm with you. Let's get rid of pollution and stuff. But let's do. Let's go to yep. the stars too. One of the things that like, boogered me out about the whole boogered me out boogered me out about Never the whole uh, Mars rover is people were getting all bitchy on social media about oh everyone's all you white people crying over a Mars lander when real people are dying like kids are getting shot by cops and stuff and I was like you know listen part of us being human is is this part of us this need to explore and that's a very fucking like we made that happen yeah like that's a planet that. You Isn't can't throw this a rock one. and hit, right? <laughs> like, like we put, yeah, we put a piece of machinery because it was something amazing that humans did, and that part is now dead on a faraway planet. That's fucking sad. Yeah, because it was something hopeful and good that we did is now. Well, we always knew it was going to happen eventually. Well, I but. know, but that's why it's sad. We're not crying because a robot died. No, we're crying. It's because of that. It's that what all that represents as far as being human and the need to. I don't it's, know. That's and, my problem. NASA is such a fucking cool organization. Yeah, that's always been my problem with realists. And this is this actually comes into into play into the, in Planet into, of the yeah, Apes, sure which is which is when you're talking people who are saying like, "Oh, you're crying over a robot." That's not a robot. That's a metaphor for the, the indomitable human exactly. spirit. Exactly. People who think only in realistic terms miss metaphors, miss mm-hmm. the symbolic nature of things, like. That, yes, it's an inanimate object and it sent back a pre-programmed response to a certain set of stimuli. Yes. Right? Exactly. But at the same time, that thing stands for how far we've come as a scientific community. That thing stands for human beings reaching out beyond what we thought was capable. Mm-hmm. Reaching pa- We're literally reaching a hand up off of the planet we live on yeah. to touch the stars. And if you're just, if you think like it's a piece of metal on a rock and you're all going to cry, then you are living half of a life. Yeah, sure are. Because you're missing all of this. You ain't woke. No, dude. That news is great. And yeah, look, realism is important. I'm with you. But that's why 
that's partly why I wanted to do Planet of the yeah, Apes. No, the show, absolutely. Man. All right. So to talk about like the actual um <laughs> the specific like the the actual like nuts and bolts of this movie. The thundercloud in the okay, clear they're walking in the desert in a clear, clear sky, sky. And it goes and we get the thunder. The weird negative fucking Yeah, where the the sky goes like blue, yeah. uh, but but like uh it's Yeah, almost, it's literally like film negative where yep. it's like and it looks like lightning. I think it's, it's supposed to be all the whole that whole sky lightning. Sky, yes, but the sky is just like oscillating colors. But the ground and the men are unaffected by it. But their shadows change color too. That's not CG because this is 1968. That's a they did that, and it's not a practical effect either because the sky is not a painting. Right. That's an that is an early, I think, uh, like done in post. Film effect. Film effect. Yeah, they they mess with the film, and it's so clean, dude. It's really that cool. effect holds up now. Well, it's freaky. This whole movie holds it's up now. But... Freaky. That has always freaked me out. For the first time I watched this movie was that weird lightning storm in the desert. I'm like, that is not natural, man. Yeah, it took, you don't see that. It took me a sec because I was watching for the show this time. I'm like. It's not an in-camera effect right. because the whole frame isn't affected. It's just the sky. Well, I feel like they're shooting on location in a desert. They are, for sure. Because, yeah. like I said, the sky is not a backdrop. Yeah, yeah exactly. If it's, it's a backdrop, you can do it with lights and projection. You can do it practical. It'd be super expensive because you're shooting during daytime. So the, the lights you'd need would be have to be brighter than the sun. So I'm like, how the fuck did they do that? And they did. It's That's the film editors, dude. Yeah. That's film editors like rocking your world. That's fucking awesome. Anytime I see Color by Panavision at the beginning of anything... You know, or, or is it color? Was it color by deluxe or color? It was like shot on Panavision, color by deluxe or it's whatever. Color by deluxe, I think. Is the... but dude, anytime I see color by at the head of a film, I'm like, yes, yeah, we got it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> this movie's old enough that they had a that they a color department, and not only that, they're crediting the colorists like right up front because yep. they still say that at the end of movies. You know, they're like color by blank, right? But and they're up front. Yeah, and that's and that's just color grading footage. These people are like like these they're like okay, look, the highly the technically trained color specialists. Seriously though. Oh shit. Dude, I love that thunder. The the thunder effect works. And then one of the next things we see after they're like kind okay, there's one moment of this movie that makes me laugh every time I see it. It's when they fall down the shortest hill in the world. Oh god damn it, yeah. If they hadn't shown me the wide, it would have been better. But there's like when they're fall they're falling down the hill and you're like this Holy could be shit. dangerous. And like if like they've four fifth <laughs> Yeah, like if you fall down the hill and break an arm, that's bad. But then they show you a wide shot, and you're like, "That hill's like 19 they feet tall." <laughs> sort of tumbled down a very small hill. It's, it's steep. Still super dangerous. I mean, you can twist an ankle. Yeah, I mean, if you hurt yourself, where on are you a gonna go? You have a twisted ankle, and you're in a desert, and you are only one of free will people. Yeah, that would be dangerous. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't either. I was. I'm waiting. I'm like. I'm like. There'll be a punchline eventually. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> one of the next thing we see, one of the next things we see is the uh, the scarecrows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Iconic film. Moment. Yeah. So is it to? It's to warn that you are about to enter the 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 no go zone, right? The. I think it's to keep people away from the apes, or to keep. Apes it, away from the I think forbidden it's, zone. I think it's because we don't, as far as we can see of the humans, they don't have any technology. They don't. They don't even use sticks to knock fruit down. They climb the trees They still. climb the trees and they, they don't speak. There's no real... They do have really rudimentary clothing. Mm-hmm. Kinda, but anyway, the 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 scarecrows have fur on them. So those are those are supposed to be apes. So what I think is it's to keep humans out of the area that has food and water. 
Makes sense. So because the apes are trying to hoard oh, the resources. Right, because they yep, yep, yep. That makes sense. They're the scarecrows to keep the keep, the vermin away keep from the their, vermin away yeah. from civilization, right? Because uh, that's one. Every time I watch this movie, I notice something new about the scarecrows. The fact that they don't have heads was one of the first things I noticed when I first watched the movie. Then you notice that they're they're dark, but what they're wrapped in is fur. Mm-hmm. So they're wrapped in fur, which is actually kind of where did that come from? It was you know? ape fur. Is it ape fur? Or is it animal fur? I'm thinking animal fur because do the Why apes would you? They wouldn't, no. Skin their own to make it? So. No, I don't think They're so either. They're far too... But it's some kind of animal fur. And another thing I noticed is, have, did you notice that there's no other animal life on the planet? Horses. They're other than the horses. Chickens. But there's... Are there chickens? I don't know. Maybe I saw a chicken. I didn't think I see... I, I know there... Because there's the apes on horses is the first thing we see, but we don't see any, like, livestock. Oh, we, we don't. We don't see... Because the apes eat... Uh, like fruit and stuff. I don't. Oh, don't, they're like vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're talking about farming and cultivating and things like that. Right, but you don't actually. I was always wondering about that because you don't actually see them. Bird had an interesting, uh, an interesting point, which I was curious about. Is do they eat? Do they eat humans? Well, they do. They do hang them upside down when they're talk dead. About that hunting scene. Fuck. Okay. They're they're hunting them. Are you ready for this? By the way, go ahead. This movie's rated G. This film that we're talking about right now is rated G. You can show this to like a five-year-old and no one bats an eye. Nope. Okay. They mass murder like a hundred people? Three naked dude butts, a flash of Charlton Heston's bush, tons, tons of violence with a lot of on-screen blood. A lot of on-screen blood. There's charred flesh in this movie. Mm -hmm. There's... Uh, mostly it's damn it's actually i think only damn and i think he says bastards at one point says bastard and damn yeah but all through the movie profanity um and then there's a lobotomy in this movie you see the scar you see a lobotomy scar there's implied sex they get when they give charlton heston the woman um nova nova yeah yeah they're like got you a present go ahead fuck her yeah seriously all the apes are sitting around and then they even dude they talk about gelding him twice yes they do they say you're gonna be he's gonna be gelded and then later he goes that means total emasculate when he's talking to zayas he's like total emasculation but followed by experimental brain surgery i'm like g rated Rated g G. i just kept saying again and again i'm like can't fucking believe this is a g-rated movie that for those of you who don't know what gelding is that's when they cut your testicles off of your body Mm mm-hmm and they even they tag the joke up. They're like, if you only knew what they were gonna do to you. And he does. <laughs> he, he but does. like holy shit. Taylor spends a huge chunk of this movie with a bandage around his neck because yeah, he got speak. shot in the, in the throat. throat. You see it. During a massacre. Yeah, you see him get shot in the throat too. It's pretty gross. And the blood keeps oh, that's one of my favorite bits too, is when he's holding his neck and he falls and his hands on his neck and the blood, the blood keeps, keeps going. going. Such a good effect. But not for a G-rated movie. No, he's shot in the neck. Do you know the famous story about the last uh, one of the la- the the last line of the film and oh, how you did it? You blew they, it up. They were gonna rate the movie. Uh, Bird might know. Bird was it? Do you know if it was PG thirteen or R? PG thirteen didn't exist back then. So it would be R. Yeah. The, the film the film board was going to rate the movie R because he says "God damn," and that's uh, which is kind of ironic because it's. Taking Lord's name in vain right. is going to get earn this thing in our rating, and the whole movie's kind of about ha- what happens when you when don't you separate don't se- church and state. Mm-hmm. But science and so the MPAA yeah. went um, 
basically look oh no charlton heston said goddamn so this is gonna be an r-rated movie because he's using he's being blasphemous at the end so heston had to go in front of the board uh, well, he didn't have to. He chose to. He he went in front of the board to argue why that line should be kept in because they were just going to re-record it. Right. Where he did doesn't say "God damn you all to hell," and he went in front of him and he goes, he goes, no, listen, what Taylor's saying in that moment, that that passionate moment when he's realized that the Earth has been destroyed by nuclear war is, he's not taking the Lord's name in vain. He's literally praying. Asking God to, to damn, damn those souls to hell. The place, not the profanity. Right. I'm, let me just light this real quick. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but that, so that was his argument. He's like... He's that like, actually makes sense. That's says, a good argument, too. It's not true. No. <laughs> he's clearly just saying, God damn you, you, you know, fucking like, bastard. Yeah, that's a cool but, read on it, though. Yeah, but what he was... He, he wiggled his way. They're like... Mm, our, and, you know, what's fucked up is they're like, yeah, this all seems fine. Whoa, blasphemy? R... Shot in the neck, fine. Shot in the neck, cut his balls off, uh, brain surgery, b- naked butts. Hey, look, there's this bush. If you freeze frame it, you can see a little bit of peen. That's all good. All good. Whoa, did you just say goddamn? Mm-mm. Nope, R rated. Mass murder a hundred so humans and hang them upside down and throw them into fucking pits. That is the most one of the most fucked up moments. I didn't just realize ever. until this watch because you watch movies differently for the show. You do. They're dead humans hanging upside down yeah. on that pole. Yeah, that's how that's how like me and my brother hang up deer. Yeah, um, they're being bled out. Yeah, they eat them. They eat humans. The, yeah, there's a good there's a strong case that they eat human beings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's Fuck. fucking crazy. They keep them uh, as and they pets. keep them as pets. Like, oh, actually, no, they only kept them as they kept they them kept as pets, pets back before, in the day. But then they realized then that they're, they're yeah, yeah too dangerous. They'd run them out. But dude, like, and then. All right, everyone, smile. That's a stack of dead bodies with apes <laughs> laughing over them. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. G, G, G. And then Heston had to be like, Taylor is right, had to do he's some begging God to, yeah. to damn the souls of the humans that ended the earth. Right. And they were like, God, Charlton Heston, your You're teeth are so, so weird. big. You are, your mouth is. He has 47 extra Your teeth. mouth is so Open all the time. All the time. That's kind of the secret to Heston is just show more teeth than you have. <laughs> <laughs> but I fucking love it. So do I. So do I. So much. Charlton Heston is so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, oh my god, dude. Well, well, no. Op, we're not. We're not like blowing anyone's mind when we're like, hey, Charlton Heston's a good actor. No isn't shit, that? right? They're like, what? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I'm wait, gonna wait. have to go back and watch some Heston flicks. <laughs> Because I always remembered him as just being okay. <laughs> Only like the biggest name in Legendary. Hollywood for like Iconic. 30 years. The forever actor. Um, Before we move off of the Scarecrows and get to the hunt, which is amazing. But before the hunt, I have a note. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. And then I'll hit the Scarecrows. I, s- I say that it is pretty bold to just go swimming in an alien pond before knowing if one, if it's actually water, and two, what kind of fucking creepy shit might live in that pond? Bird, like Bird pointed out that the, well, how did they know the lake wasn't acid? Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Just uh, jump right in. Yup. I guess you're fucked, and if though. It's, and you if might it's as not, well. If it's not water, you don't know. There might be some, like, a fish that loves to eat penis. Like, who knows? Or the little fish that lives on Earth that goes into your pee hole. Into your pee hole, yeah. 
do they call it the pee hole fish? I'm pretty sure that's its scientific name. Yeah, yeah. The, but the pee <laughs> pee hole the into kiss your pee hole kiss into into kiss your pee hole. That's actually a Harry Potter uh, is spell. It, is it a spell into your pee hole kiss, <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you. Th- when you just stick a when you just sound someone's dick sound with your wand, dick. <laughs> it's actually not a spell; it's a sex move. <laughs> Dude, you know, you know her. It was who? Who did Hermione end up with? Ron? Uh, probably. I don't know. But who did Hermione? Yeah, they ended up okay. together. You know that Ron's into that shit. She's <laughs> like he did, he started out really like I don't want this, and she's he like, wanted a space dock Ron, with Harry. I've been doing lots of reading, and apparently this is quite. Pleasurable once you just relax. Relax. Relax a kiss. Indicus to penicus. In Indicus to penicus. Let's move on. <laughs> I don't know how long we can safely stay in this territory. Uh, probably that's about as that long. was the limit. <laughs> um all right, what do you what's your oh was your note don't jump into the Well that and it's yeah, it's just really fucking dumb. But then they get their clothes told and then That's the, after the yeah. you lied. Because that's after the scarecrows. Because remember the water's that is on the, after the scarecrows. Yeah, I had a scarecrow note. Oh, I'm sorry. It was fine. It's cause it's the the soundtrack in that moment goes full weird. That's the it's fucking bizarre. It's, it's all written and all performed. It's not just garbage, like King Crimson or something. It's, it's like a hundred different violinists picking randomly at their strings at warp speed. Yes. And then they layer it all on top of each other. Because as they're walking up, as they get closer and closer to the scarecrows, and Heston hits the top and they see the water, as they're going up there, it's like in the background, it's like, and over top of it is. It's gnarly. It's incredible. Yes. This the score in this cannot be like the effect of Jerry Goldsmith's score to this film cannot be underestimated. I don't think this movie. I don't think this movie has the weight that it does without that score working on your deep brain the whole fucking time you watch it. Because it is. It is so just. Not since this is the best score that I've heard in a movie since season one when we watched Eraserhead, or mm-hmm. season zero when we got Johnny Greenwood's score for There Will Be Blood. Will, yeah. This is amazing. This, this score is, is um, He did fucking Star Trek, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like his so he does. He does fanfare, right? For but the most, this is not not that Star Trek. Dude, Goldsmith went. He like they're like uh, go in left field, and he's like, I'm gonna how far left? He, yeah, he's like, <laughs> like I'll I'm, show you. I'm gonna go and play golf instead, and they're like, what? what? No, just wait. not even golf. He's like, I'm gonna go and <laughs> I can't think of a sport that's as weird. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna go play high lie, and they're like, uh, right. I guess you're Tron high lie. <laughs> I'm gonna go into a computer <laughs> and I'm gonna write you a score that's gonna blow your fucking mind. Exactly. They they does. probably wanted Star Trek. They're like, he'll give us some Star Trek type shit. And then right. he comes up and he's like, all right, check this out. Click play on his eight track or whatever. He puts the vinyl down. And he's like, here, I cut this today. What do you think? Where does this fit into the movie? But you know, to his credit, Schaffner's like, I know exactly where that goes. Exactly. Dude, yes. What a perfect storm of like, and of, of behind, cause that's all the behind the scenes stuff. Yep. The cinematography works on you. The sound design works on you. The score works on you. And you're not always conscious of it. The direction, the the way the director works, like, you know, the the director also is kind of a glorified decision maker sometimes. But when you get a, a really good director working with these this 
a good behind the scenes crew, a movie can work on you in ways you don't understand. It just does, man. It's like watching a scanner darkly. You're like, I don't know why I feel so fucked up right now. <laughs> and you do, but I've it's seen, all about working. Yeah, it. exactly. You're like, I've seen other rotoscope movies and I don't feel like, like a, I need a week like a, to recover, like a weird paranoid soulless human at the end of it. But that movie like guts you. Yep. This movie does kind of the same thing, especially with its downbeat ending. But okay. So we get to the, well, first of all, we get a shitload of male nudity, yeah. which apparently doesn't matter to the NBA. <laughs> they just like them butts, man. Uh, I pointed out to Bird last night. There's a moment where uh, Dodge and Landon are like, Cap- Captain, come check this out. And Heston, they're all standing in a cir- kind of a circle, totally nude. And then the two of them crouch down and Heston just stands for a second like, you guys yeah. are head height with my dick. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, I've got a nice piece of meat for you and then you it's almost like oh no i'm getting hurt i'm gonna be in frame and then he ducks (laughs) down (laughs) but like there's a moment where they're both like kneeling in front of him and if you just took it out of context you'd be like what What is happening here um okay that hunt can we talk about the stunts there's so many so fucking many there's dude. many shots of extras just being dragged by horses oh my god run I s- over by horses i sent a bird at one point i'm like this Falling movie's pits I said, I said this movie's really hard on people's butts because it's just Ugh. a lot of naked people in nets getting dragged on the ground yeah with no i mean they there's no protective anything happening no they just they're like hey i'll give We're you gonna drag you with a net 10 bucks to anybody, who, 20 bucks to anyone who wants to get dragged nude in a net i'll do it for 10 miles john 20 bucks. John. Net we, drag. That's beer for all night for we both did, of us. We do that on our own at home. That's stunt. That's stunt, fun. Man, though, dude. That is, though. That's literally Yeah, we like, were working on that till last week, trying to figure that out, the ins and the outs of it. Yeah, yeah we'll do it. I'll do it. I'll Getting do it. kicked in the head by a <laughs> yeah. horse again and again. Dude. Like, the stunts in this movie are... Wa- all of them. Yeah. All the stunts in this movie are pretty wild. I was very impressed by the stunt work, because I was, you know, watching for the show. You're like, oh, there shit. There are so many people on screen, and horses, and people in monkey... <laughs> Full monkey, ape. like ape. Sorry, <laughs> Carl. They're not monkeys, Carl. Monkeys have prehensile tails. Planet of the apes, <laughs> dude. I'd watch Planet of the Monkeys. monkeys though, that'd be, <laughs> they're, yeah, there would be just like a lot more poop thrown. So apes, but the, god damn it! Like I just could, I kept thinking of like being a stunt coordinator of any sort. What of moving pieces? There are like a hundred people, mm-hmm. and then horses, mm-hmm. and that's just the things that you see. That's not your However many cameras that you have to cover all of that. Did you get did you get a little uh, like butterflies in your stomach yeah. the first time that you saw ape on a horse? Yep, sure did. That sure. that little that little rack that 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 zoom the reveal that, little, that yep. quick zoom to ape on a horse with yep. a gun. You're just like it. You it's called Planet of the Apes, so you kind of know yeah, what's no, coming. What's going to happen? But. Something about it every time I yep. see that. Right now, got chills. Yep. Every time I see that that ape on a horse, man, I'm just like I'm. Well, that's I'm all the way in. in 1968 too. This is brand new shit. Like science fiction in cinema at this point, fledgling, man. I mean, you don't have a whole lot going on. Well, the same year, 2001: A Space Odyssey <laughs> hit. Same year, 1968. There's a there's there is a history, but of it's sci-fi all like Flash this. Gordon and shit. It's not like. And it's real, real cheesy, like giant Gila monster, and like that. We're gonna watch. Sort of we're thing. gonna watch some some sci-fi that predates this mm-hmm. for the show. But this took but you're itself right. super fucking serious. It's more Atomic Age sci-fi yeah. previous to this. Mm-hmm. You're totally right. Um, are you familiar with Harlan Ellison? Yeah. This feels to me like like this is in that Harlan Ellison world. Because mm-hmm. in the fifties is all like UFOs and space lanes and the planet of the. 
Uh, it's huh? kind of pulpy. Pulpy. It's, it's pulpy yeah. before this. It's a little uh, like we love B movies. Next Saturday, coming to exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very like B picture um, mm-hmm. sci-fi before this. This until the the. This is an iconic movie. Well, okay, but that's not tag. Okay, look. Um, the Night the still is a little bit is before this. Right. Metropolis is before this. Yeah. And so the, there is there are, there are films out there, but this I feel is like it, you're the right. beginning the dawn of a new it's fucking a, era. It is man. a totally a game changer. This is a this is a shift in the zeitgeist of science fiction on film. It changes from here on out. Star Trek predates this. Mm-hmm. You could but argue that 2001, is, but this. the fact that it's the same year, I feel like you, so, well, it's, something happened. Something was in the fucking collective water. Yeah. When did we land on the moon? Sixty nine or sixty? God damn it. Bird, when do we land on the moon? Will you look it up? All right, moving on. <laughs> this is something we should totally know. Uh, my dad uh, watched it on TV when he was a little kid. He, it's, it's one of his earliest memories is watching us land on the moon. And, uh, yeah, that, I mean, he ended up working for NASA for a long that's time. Amazing. Yeah, and he says that's why. He wanted to be an astronaut. He wanted to live on it Mars all... in a pod when he was a kid. You know, I mean, if you for more on that, go ahead over God, to... That's Inter-Glide. what I love about science fiction, not to go into a rabbit hole, but we're gonna... No, man, go for it. Like, it's like... Our future scientists Bird were... has an answer. When did we land on the moon? July 20th, 1969. July 20th, 1969. So, so that is... The following summer. Dude, everyone was jazzed about that. Space travel became a thing because they're like... We actually did it. Well, before that, we, we, were, we, we were in space before then. Yep. But they're... Can, dude, can you imagine that? They're like, hey, we can go so high that we can orbit the planet. And then someone's like, let's go to the uh, fucking the moon. moon. And everyone in the room just goes, everyone's chattering. And I let's go to the moon. Hmm? What'd you just say? One, not possible. Two, let's do it. No, dude, not at NASA. <laughs> everyone's just silent. And they're like, yeah, 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 let's go to the moon. Fuck it. Let's oh! fucking go to the moon. Call the president. <laughs> no, see, on this day. <laughs> Oh my God! But this is that's the one thing I love about science fiction in general. You see it other places, but with science fiction, you see the little boys and little girls that are reading, like they're reading Arthur C. Clarke or Isaac Asimov, oh and God. like I want to build a robot, I want to go to space, and then they grow up to be scientists mm-hmm. and they build the Mars lander. Like you know what I mean? It's like well, you've seen my bookshelves, man. Right? Oh yeah, you've seen these ones. You've seen my collection yep. upstairs. I got a shitload of Asimov, a yep. lot of Arthur C. Clarke. There's something about this genre in particular. I think it's because it can tell stories that can't be told in in another in another medium. I told you about the the Neil Gaiman China story, right? On mm-hmm. season one, in I season so. one, quick reiteration: uh, Neil Gaiman, famous fantasist and occasional science fiction writer. Uh, went over to China for the first ever science fiction convention in China because science fiction is Ill- it was used illegal. to be yeah. outlawed. It was totally illegal. Well, it makes you creative. So they yeah they went over there and Neil Gaiman walked up to one of the event coordinators and he was like, "Hey, why um you guys have never done this before? It's been illegal. Why the change of heart? Just curious. Like don't don't take it back. And I I love that you're doing this, but why? And they said, "Well, we sent." We we make things for America. We make your products. We make your laptops. We make your cell phones. But we don't come up with any of them. So we sent a bunch of our uh, a bunch of people over to top American tech corporations to talk to them to find out what's different between America and here and why you guys are so innovative and we just manufacture. And he said the one thing that they that every head of every tech company had in common was they read science fiction as children. So and we can't do that here in China. So we figure maybe science fiction's not such a bad thing after all. Mm-hmm. 
It's totally true, man. Fucking amazing, dude. Um, for those of, and briefly, I, I know, know dude, right? I, every time Seriously. I tell the story, I get it too. But um, so not to, and we'll get right back on the movie. But for, because we're talking about science fiction and how much we love it yeah. and the books, I discovered a science fiction writer last year, um, Samuel R. Delaney, D E L A N Y. I read his book, um, Babel Seventeen. Holy shit! My dad read a little bit of him when he was a kid, but dad, did, I have all my science fiction books are my dad's. You can see those are all mm-hmm. '60s paperbacks and and hardcovers. Yeah, so I have my dad's science fiction collection, and that's kind of one of the reasons that I got into writing and got in, got into writing sci-fi in particular. But Samuel R. Delaney, I anyone who's interested in science fiction and somehow missed this guy. Highly recommend. I don't really have anything to say about it. I'm just like I'm. I'm giving you guys a yeah, book yeah. recommendation and read anything. Here's a nugget. Read he, this guy. He is so so incredible, and it's not that kind of like pulpy purple science fiction stuff. This is like kind of cerebral William at William Gibson style. Fuck. All right, oh, it's good, dude. Check him out. Feel free to borrow any of my shit, by the by. Um. So okay, stunts of the hunt in Planet of the Apes. Jesus. Watching extras jump off that hill into like one foot of water. I, re- I, I rewound it <laughs> because the people are literally just jumping off a cliff into into water. Yeah. Sometimes not. And it's not like five feet like like the our heroes rolling down a hill. This they're is like, like a twenty five foot. foot drop into a and foot they're of not, water. They're not always landing well either. Oh my god, that one dude when he lands and like he folds in half. Folds I'm like, half. oh, yep. he just broke, broke his, his knees. Back. Yep, his broke knees his knees in the back. Buckled and his back is fucked. <laughs> Thank you for working on Planet of the Apes. They're all barefoot. I want that extra twenty dollars. Oh, they dude, are. They're all barefoot. That's one of the craziest. They're wearing loincloths and shit. They're not wearing any protective gear. No, one of my cra- one of the craziest things that I noticed throughout the movie is Charlton Heston and his stuntmen when they're running through the city on those concrete like stone steps. They're all barefoot, barefoot. jumping off of cliffs, barefoot. John McClane's a pussy. It's yeah, honestly, dude, quit your bitching, Bruce quit Willis. Your bitching, get you didn't work on Planet of the Apes. Fucking yeah, pick pick that out of your foot. Your knees aren't broken <laughs> <You> backwards. <laughs> Dude, watching the stuntmen do not just like jumping and landing on their feet, but doing falls mm-hmm. into a foot of water. Like flat fall. Oh like yeah. A, belly flop. Yeah. Fucking fall. And you're like oh. And there's like three and a half inches of water. I mean, it's not like they've got no. a long waist, like uh. <laughs> a nice pool of water to oh, dive into. Oh Jesus, dude. They're that, hitting bottom every fucking time. That was so that was so fucking crazy to me. Watching watching the stunt work of people getting we do we see this a lot with westerns but watching people get dragged off horses i was talking to my brother about this the other day because he he's gone riding a couple times mm-hmm. i never have and he's like dude what i'm like what's the scariest part about being a horse on a horse is it the horse he's like no it's how high up off the ground you are yeah you're up there yeah he's like if you're on like you know the i was riding a horse and you know camp had the our the cabin our grandparents own has 10 foot ceilings he's like my head was easily 12 feet off the ground and I'm like, if I fall, I'm falling. My head is from going ceiling, 12 yeah. feet. Yeah, you're falling from the ceiling. Most houses have eight foot ceilings or something like that. Something like that, yeah. So like, think almost double. Almost double the height of your ceiling. That's where you're falling from off a fucking horse. Holy shit. It ain't small. And you're watching dudes in ape costumes get dragged off horses. You're watching people fall under horses, get run over by horses, get dragged in nets behind horses. The stunt work, dude, baller. And then, okay. Then we get to the shot. We have to talk about. I love about. how excited you are. Right I love Planet of the Apes, I know, man. I know. I, I absolutely love it. Um, the the humans hung head down on the yeah, pole. That fucked me up this time. It's it's. I don't know what it is because I've I've watched this movie so many times, like a staple growing up, a staple as a young. Like it's just 
It's one of those movies. I'll hear it him. fucking disturbed me this time seeing the pit full of bodies and the bodies hung upside down. And the stack, the little pile of the, bodies. The, yep, the little pile of bodies. I'll be the voice of Bird again. This was one of Bird's notes at the end of the movie when she was. I asked her if she wanted to be on the episode, and she said no. Um, she said, "I feel like as I get older, this movie gets less fun. Yeah, every year I get older, this movie is less and less fun. Because when you're a kid, you're like." Oh, it's apes. Monkeys for the entire... Monkeys on a horse. Monkeys right. with guns. Monkey. Oh, and look, it's a spaceship. And oh, Taylor's being yep. so sassy. But as you get older, you start to realize that Dr. Zayas is the, the chief science officer, but also chief, chief defender religion. of the faith. Yes. So he's both like, he's like the Pope. Science and religion. It'd be like if we put the Pope in charge of all science. Neil deGrasse Tyson is the Pope? I'm actually down with that. No, but you gotta go the other way. Oh, the Pope is... Make the Pope the head of science. And not this cool Pope. Give us, like, a shitty Pope. Oh, fuck. Yeah, because if Neil deGrasse Tyson is the Pope, immediately, immediately there's just no more religion. Fine. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> he's an atheist. But you go the other way with it. It's the protector of the faith is a scientist, right? Right, because the guy... Because, okay, Neil deGrasse Tyson would immediately go and be like, okay, look, uh, all the church people, the Earth is not 10,000 years old, because he's a scientist first. If you had the... If you had, like, an old school Pope be your chief science officer because there's a then you're you're stifling information. There's a, yeah, like at the which end is of addressed this. here. Yeah, at the end of this, he's, he knows everything. He's like, but can't disclose it. And they H- think there are 14 point, scrolls or whatever. And he's at the reading from the, the 29th, 29th scroll. scroll. He's got secret wisdom yeah. or whatever. And he so he goes out and uh, there's a moment where Heston's like, well, your problem is he's the chief. You know, your chief religious officer is your chief science officer. And the, and Zayas goes, there is no contradiction between faith and science when the science is true. And then we see moments later when his when the religion is refuted, he destroys all the evidence yep. to keep the faith. Blow it up. Blow he it up. He knows it's true. Dude, there's uh they when they're trying Taylor, the way that they quiz him is they they get him on trial and they're like, All right, if you really have a brain and you can really reason and think, why do humans have no souls? You're like, what the fuck kind of que- how would he know that? Yeah. Because oh. you can't, and they also shut him up. But he's not allowed to answer yeah. anything. It's it is literally the Inquisition. It made me feel just since we're touching on it briefly. Have, are you familiar with? Um, it's a play, and I think they, they made it into a movie. Um, shit, inherit the wind. No, it's a like a courtroom drama about whether or not a school is allowed to teach evolution mm-hmm. in school. And the entire courtroom is is like science and religion going Back head and to head. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of that present in this film, which is a science fiction movie. But it's like, holy shit, this is like a almost a partner piece to inherit the wind in a way. Like I thought this was interesting because having read a lot of science fiction growing up, 60s science fiction, because that's what my dad read and that's what I've got. You, you read it and you, it's an adventure. You read it and it's fun. It's in space and there's mm-hmm. lasers and there's beautiful women. And then you, when you revisit the books as an adult, you realize like when I read the forever war as a kid, I was like haunted by, uh, they, there's like, they get to a planet and that basically has like psychic cows on it and they shoot one of these fucking things. They're like, what the hell are those? It's these big creatures that are just kind of grazing on grass. And they are like, let's shoot one. Why not? They're soldiers. They're like, it's a kind of a Vietnam parable. Oh, wow. So they shoot one of these things and they realize that all of these creatures are connected very powerfully in a psychic way. So when they kill one, like six of their guys, they all get violently ill, like blackout headaches, vomiting blood. And six of the, because they have like psychically sensitive people on their crew too. Those guys die as well. All of the like all the creature that all the creatures immediately die. 
this guy like their psychics die and everyone gets violently sick. Holy shit! And as a kid, you're like, oh, that's, oh, that's crazy. Cool. And then you realize like the the metaphor of that, like take like taking a life as an assault on life, that kind of thing. Right. You start to realize that the a lot of these science fiction writers are writing about bigger things, and that's that's why I think Planet of the Apes. Hasn't gone away That's why people don't watch Planet of the Apes The way they watch Attack of the Giant Gila Monster Well they sure don't Because no. Gila Monster's fun yeah. It's a fun goofy thing And there's really not a whole lot else going on to it But when you watch this Every time you revisit Planet of the Apes As you get older and older You read it differently Sure do It's like a It's a courtroom drama And a, and a tale of what it means to be human And is are we okay as a species? Like it's part of me was crazy. wondering if it's a weird animal rights thing too. I think given the era, 1968, I think this is more a civil rights and being like, is it okay to be in Vietnam? Is it okay? so, yeah, this is more human. I mean, honestly, dude, in, in that you're right. And actually I hadn't thought of it in that context, but the, like the bodies hung up under upside down. That's on the very in much the images that were being sent back from. Well, you remember, Vietnam. you remember full metal jacket. They've got mm-hmm. the, the corpse propped up and they're celebrating his birthday. Yep. You know, like exactly. that. Exactly. It's that, a heart, <laughs> heart of darkness is the, I mean, come on. Yeah. Heart, have the, have you, you've read heart of darkness, right? Mm-hmm. The Joseph, Con- that book is way more fucked up than apocalypse. Apocalypse now, now just barely scratches the surface of what's going apocalypse on. Apocalypse now is like a rough movie, but boy, that that yep. story is gnarly. Um, but no, I feel it's the Planet of the Apes is more. It's more parallel to what was going on at the time. But that's why they're t- like humans destroying each other so much they destroy the planet, and you know. Well, there's something really cool that happens when they when uh, uh, Zero realizes that Taylor can write. Where In English, which I thought was, but again. Right, I I'll mean, give it that. you need some. Can, yeah, I'll give it you that. need some. You need something, otherwise, a plot doesn't like. Well, actually, that does make sense because if humans were alive and fought with the apes and the apes won, yeah, but that's a world culture thing. But we're in New York, so this is America. So this would be America. So these right. particular apes, these letters would have been the ones that they learned. Right. These these apes would have learned English. Mm-hmm. Now that that language would have evolved. If we're being realistic, over three thousand, two thousand years. Uh, well, I mean, English has been around for how long? Yeah, but if you, I mean, you you read English. Well, the way that we speak is different. Well, no, even the the language has evolved. Like, if you think, like, okay, I have a copy of. LOL. What do you mean? Okay, so I have a a, I have a a copy of the Bible from 1500s. Yeah, upstairs. Old English versus yeah. Okay. Yeah, so if you read Beowulf, that's English. Yeah. Beowulf is written in English, but most modern people can't read it. Right. Because it's English has changed so much. Fair enough. And yeah, so like language, and that's less than uh, like the Bible that I have is. Six no five hundred and change years old. This is two thousand years. Like so, their their language would have changed a little bit, you know. But but the basics would have been there. He yeah, was and like, the other like, thing I've is been, right. You just got to go with it. Absolutely. <laughs> otherwise, the movie doesn't happen. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but when he there's a cool moment where he's writing, and uh, Cornelius goes like, "Oh, you flew here on a on a, a rocket ship," and he's like, "Yeah," and he goes, "Well, flight is scientifically impossible." So no, that's not true. That was the same thing they did to Da Vinci. That's right. Where they were like, "Well, it's not possible." Yeah, they're like, "Well," and also it was considered um, heresy. Her- yeah, heresy because it's like man can't fly, angels fly. Angels fly. Exactly. No, man is not an angel. Men are on the earth. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh, better knock that shit yeah, off. Heretic. Da Vinci. Right. Exactly. And that's I thought that was really interesting how they did that when um, Doctor Zayas comes in 
or there's a moment where they're like, flight literally can't happen. And Taylor folds a paper airplane. And he just tosses a paper airplane. And the the look on their their faces faces. (laughs) is amazing. Because again, slam the door on everything they believe in. And my favorite part of it is, is the the reaction shots are buried in prosthetics and you, Mm. they still manage to communicate that the performances of every ape character in this are just so and they're working with their prosthetics work but they just kind of work they work just enough because i'm out like that but they make it work watching fucking make it work watching uh especially dr zayas when he's tied up at the end and they're shooting down on him you can tell that he's talking bigger so that they have a mouth move move. it yep and what i'm sure what they do is they adr all of the apes lines because that's got to be there's no way you catch that on the day buried under that and also (laughs) To talk like that, you'd have to be. And I, hock, 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 hock. before I watch the next, uh, the next one beneath the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, so am I. Um, but it's bef- the only time I have to watch. Before I spin it, I think I'm going to spin behind the Planet of the Apes, the documentary by Roddy McDowell. Yeah. So I'm going to watch that, and then we can kind of because that one only covers, I think, Planet of Planet, the Apes. Yeah. But we can talk about that documentary and and stuff when we get on the next show. Rock on. But anyway, man, like because you know that they have to be talking big so that so the that prosthetic registers. Yeah. So when he's talking to, I'm sure on the day, Charles then. Bravo to Charlton Heston for not just busting a gut the whole fucking time because he's like, <laughs> yeah, where he's talking, he's talking to Zayas and he's like, you know, like I see how your kind operates, and then Zayas is like, our people have <laughs> right. no way to, and you, and you got to know that, and like Heston's keeping it fucking straight. He's got poker no. face on. He's like, that's right. Well, he's probably half in the back, so. <laughs> <laughs> just drunk as shit the whole movie. I see you. He's just like fucking apes are st-. and they're like, uh, Aston, you, you can't say fucking. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, roll it again. Keep it rolling. <laughs> Keep All it right, rolling. We'll go again. Aston. All right, and and action from where you were. You fucking monkey apes. And they're like, okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right, we're gonna cut for the we're gonna break for the day. Um Hey, buddy, Heston, come on over here. Why don't you come over to the craft services? Yes. We got a fuck that shit. Carafe of coffee here. We're gonna do some pickups later, but do you want a cup of coffee? Yes. <laughs> Coffee sounds great. Grab the Baileys, you fuck. <laughs> hey, fuck you. And I'm just like, wow. So, jeez, you, you got old, Charlie. Heston's way, <laughs> way off. He just aged 20 years. I don't know if he remembers, like, he's going to remember. Will he remember this tomorrow? <laughs> Probably not. Um, yeah. I was in a movie called Planet of the Apes. What are all these fucking monkeys doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is this some sort of practical joke? <laughs> I thought this was on. I'm Gordon. turning into Mr. Ah, Burns as I go <laughs> Release the hound. <laughs> Mr. Burns as played by Charles. Char- oh, I'd watch the shit out of that Fuck episode yeah. of The Simpsons. Um, but dude, that that paper airplane is awesome. The writing is awesome. I love their their. Uh, I, I wrote down this is a this is a fully realized world because you realize that kind of the point of the movie is. When humans fall and apes rise, the apes fall prey to the same flaws that, that man has, yeah. which is kind of a really, it's oh, a very fuck. dark note because what that means is that our problems are inherent to, to culture. To, to culture, yes. Just, if just, you want to have culture or, that has- Not culture, civilization. Civil, that, that, yeah, I, that's what I was Yeah, that's what I was hearing, a, yeah. aiming for, but when you, when you form a civilization- these are your inherent, inherent flaws. flaws. They're in the DNA of civilization. Of civilization, which is a, which is kind of a, a, a frightening but also vaguely beautiful neo like luddite or neo luddite mm-hmm. concept. Which is once you add technology, once you add writing and thought, 
then you fall prey to religion, religion to and all, that, all yes. these other other things philosophy and yes one of the things i thought was really cool is they're able to communicate right and they're able to kind of talk about science mm-hmm. and scientific stuff but because because these writers have a, a a full conception of what ape culture is and a full conception of what future man men's like the the culture of humankind right. is we can see where the gears of the apes they don't and quite line up no yeah. like flight doesn't exist and then eventually because you're wondering why you're like okay wait we uh, obviously we know that men can't write when cornelius is like it's a trick you know men don't right, know just, how to write yeah he's just he's aping it <laughs> yeah exactly he's oh my god oh my god when he does the finger thing yeah. he's like he's an excellent mimic he's just he's aping he's her. aping yeah <laughs> oh my uh, bird pointed out that there's a funny joke earlier when landon's like climb off my back monkey on my back <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there's humor. also a foreshadowing to the Statue of Liberty in the very beginning, but that's okay. Which is what? When he says the the statues that they have erected to you have all yeah. grown uh, green. Uh, grown and, green. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Holy shit, Carl. Dude, this, see? So much. This, this is a small detail in, in to, to go into what you're saying a little bit about the, the world is so well fleshed out, the April in particular. The small details that you don't even notice until you do notice like the the fact that they do know how to write right everything's on a scroll they don't have paper they don't have pages Mm -mm. they all carry around large tubes of scroll right so it is they are it's it's amazing those small little details and it's they're there for you to pick up but it's not it's like dune yeah there's so many there's a whole world that exists but rather than walk you through it step by step they just drop you you. they just yeah here's one of my my favorites they also bury their dead in coffins like we do yes they do but because there's a funeral going on right so and that's i think this is kind of interesting which is the apes didn't start fresh from culture no they they stepped into human culture actually oh my god so maybe the point isn't that there's an inherent flaw in civilization maybe it's a flaw maybe this movie is pointing out the inherent flaws in human civilization because basically they like they still go around on horses. They don't have planes. They don't have cars. They have guns. They have guns. In the they second kept the violence. Film, they don't have the... Ooh, in the second film, spoilers. Really quick. I'm just going to jump yeah, ahead. Yeah. They, they're worshipping a nuclear bomb in mm-hmm. the second movie. We'll talk about it n- next time. But like, like they have our weaponry, but not our low-key technology. They don't have computers. No. Well, 68, they didn't have computers. But they don't have... They don't have like... They don't have simple electronics. Right. They carry torches. Yes. But they, they have yeah, our... They don't have flashlights. They, but they yeah. have our guns. The parts of our culture they've appropriated aren't the scientific ones. It's the, the ones military that are for, ones. Yeah, and they're always talking about how violence is the interesting. Right. There's a lot of um, hypocrisy yeah. to ape culture. But one of my favorite things about ape, uh, ape culture is you get the sense that these people who are – the guys who are writing the script – there's another guy, but obviously Rod, well, Rod Serling, Serling just blew man, the other Jesus guy's name out. Christ. He's second credited too. So like the other guy probably did the brunt. This is based on a book as well. It is, a French book. And the author said that he – I tried to watch the text commentary last night, but the text is so fast and I'm a slow. I couldn't keep oh, just up rapid with it. Fire, yeah. yeah, but um, it, it was a, a it was a, f- a French writer and he believed that the book could never be adapted to film. It just wouldn't work. But one of the things I love is you get the sense that they know what all 29 of the ape religion. Scrolls oh, I'm are. sure they have them written down somewhere or I mean, he does when in his research to write or his process to write i i'm sure right so that those exist so some of the things i thought were really cool about this particular read is they've they've aped 
our religion, Mm -hmm. which is we have a guy stand up front and he says words over a body in a box to a congregation. Mm -hmm. We read from sacred scrolls, these inherent truths. This is this movie is very hard on religion. Very. This movie is brutal to organized religion. It's not real easy on science either. I think it's not. No, no, it honestly isn't, because one of the big things that they keep talking about is experimental brain surgery. Yeah. It's and what we see is the horror of experimental brain surgery. This is a this movie has a lot of facets to it. And it has when you just when you're a kid and you watch it, it's, it's a, monkeys on horses and it's fun. And it's Charlton Heston. It's a guy from Ben Hur. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> you're like, oh, he, he knows all about horses. I saw that. I other saw flick. that. <laughs> <laughs> they killed 87. 80, men. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Where you watch actual death on film. Yes. Boy, what a fun movie that was when That's I was. A, I can't wait till we do Ben Hur, and then the episode is just I wanna like I want to do a whole silent. month of like fucking religious epics, dude. The Ten Commandments, mm-hmm, fucking mm-hmm. mostly Caligula. Trump. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Patreon no, exclusive. Yeah, we're doing that for Porn Month in season four, <laughs> dude. I'm so excited. Behind the green but, door, dude. Like that, I I can't express enough how impressed I am by how thorough their their culture is. Yeah. And and how oftentimes their culture is just a slightly bent version of turn of the mm-hmm. century American or, or yeah, American culture, because that's where we are. By the way, John and Casey Shiby, if you're listening to this movie, this or listening to this podcast, this whole film takes place where you live. Yep. <laughs> that, uh, well, I, I got to jump to the end because I've, I've, no, I've just been waiting for it. But that river. That uh, that deep canyon that he's talking about, and he's like, "Where does this river lead?" And he goes, "It flows off to the sea, it's to the, the east." That's the Hudson River. Yeah. The, it's like two, three thousand years of wearing down into the earth. That's the Hudson River. That's why Stop it's. It. Huh? That's why it's the deep <laughs> ass canyon. What's going up? What's going up? <laughs> that never made sense to me. I'm like, why is it? Because the Hudson, it, two thousand years, would dug in like the Rio Grande, like it's right. fucking. It's it's gradually where all that flowing water is gradually wearing the river down lower and lower. Like that's the only reason the Grand Canyon is so deep is that's a really old. Well, river. that took millions of years, but still, it would have. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if two thousand years would do Probably that. Probably not. But who cares? Who cares? Dude. I love it. When you realize what that's supposed to be, your brain explodes. Yeah. You're like, holy shit, that's, that's the, the Hudson. Hudson River. In two thousand years, it's the Grand Goddamn Canyon, man. How? Come on. More like two million. But we'll give it. We'll give it to it. Yeah, maybe times. Maybe the clock's wrong. Could be. Maybe it's been too. Well, he years. only shit because he only the only way that we know what year it is is he looks at the instrumentation on his ship and it says it's November twenty fifth, thirty nine seventy eight. I had that note too, and I decided not to say it. I'm glad you did. <laughs> um, it's it's Thanksgiving. Thank, yeah. It's, well, it would be around Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving it's my, time. It's my sister's birthday. It's it's, November it's three days after Kennedy gets shot. Interesting. Yeah. But the point is, like, their their spaceship was flawed. They crashed. There could have been some... Maybe the clock got the screwed clock, up when yeah. they flew through the... You know, who knows how It's all analog anyways. Is, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, they got a digital readout. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Yeah. It's not. It's a digital readout, but how cool would it be if it was if just, it like, If it was just, clock. like, the clock. <laughs> like, it, it's, like, the, the weird thing where it's two panels and then one flips down yes. and it's another... <laughs> God, like, your first alarm clock ever that you got from your, your grandfather. Or, like, your Odom. It's yes. just it's just a rolling wheel. <laughs> They're like the height of technology. But that's It'll the only evidence that this. we have to 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 go on 
to inform us where when, this when is. we are. And actually, it could be wrong. Oh my God! You know what? Like Heston's wrong about everything else. He goes, he could "Be wrong about the yeah." Year. He's like, "You're on a planet in the constellation of blah 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 in yeah. blah 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 town." And the guy's like, in "The constellation Orion." Yeah, and I think what one of my f- oh my God, Orion. Oh, there's something there. Something there. I don't know what it's it Ryan's is. It's belt. It's a. It's it's the. Yeah, there's fighter. something. Well, he's a he's a hunter. Yeah, hunter, yeah. he's got his. Uh, the bow and arrow. He's got the bow and arrow. Yeah, that's my obviously my favorite constellation of all time. And also, you know, the Beetlejuice trick. How they used to test Roman soldiers' eyesight, right? If you can see Beetlejuice. If you can see Beetlejuice, it's that because it's so dim. Um, they, they, yeah. So that was one thing my dad Fucking pointed cool. out. I don't know. It is super cool. Oh my God, dude. There's an app you can get for your phone. I can't remember what it's called anymore. I used to have it. Night Sky. Do you have, yeah, yeah, where you point your phone up at the sky and it tells yep. you what constellation it is? Yep. I'm putting that fucking thing it's, back on my phone, it's, baby. It's like 68 cents a month or something. Oh, it, it used to be constantly, free. No, they're doing some like serious updates anytime new stars are found. It's like, yeah. They're keeping rad. it up yeah. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I you might, can also look through the earth too and know what constellation is uh, directly through you. They didn't used to be able to do side. that. No. That's so cool. Girl. Anywhere you look, you can see where the dude. Yeah, that's the uh, that's bird. Gnarly. Bird pointed out at the beginning, and they do address it in a throwaway line. Oh, it's too white for no. The, what the sun is. What she was saying was the moment. Well, that, that would make sense though because the it would actually get more yellow. Mm-hmm. It would because be the atmosphere. No, what she the was saying thing. was. Uh, they're, cause they're talking there and go, it's strange. There's no moon. Oh, he goes, no. Yeah. What the fuck is that about? They blow the moon up. Anyway, there bird, would be no tide then bird. Yeah. Uh, well that's, that's cause they actually say that that's kind of one of the, that's one of the weird things, which is if you saw the moon and looked up, you know exactly where you are. No, but what bird was saying was if they saw the night sky, they'd recognize the constellations. Oh fuck. Yeah. They're not, they're, they're astronauts. They would know their stars. You'd look up and be like, that's the Big Dipper, and there's Orion. Fuck, we're I on know Earth. exactly where I am. Yeah. yeah. So, charts don't lie, man. But that's why they, they, they address it. They're like, they're like full cloud cover at night and weird luminosity, but no moon. So, full cloud cover at night means they can't, can't see, see the, the stars. Sky. And that's the only way we explain why these guys don't immediately <sighs> know they're on Earth. It's because they, they can't they see the stars. They covered it and they covered it in a way that makes sense because even thousands of years after a nuclear holocaust, yeah. your atmosphere is fucked up. Totally. Yeah. You got which a is, weird goddamn light. Which is probably why you crashed. Yeah. <laughs> why they crashed. It's because, yeah. Love this how, movie. how cool is that, dude? Like, yeah. the fact that they sat there and they're like, wait, 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 wait. astronauts, if first, they saw the this first night, first night, they'd know they were on Earth. Yeah. Okay, we got to think about this. Full cloud cover at night, weird luminosity, but no moon. There we go. There. They can't see the stars. Done. How cool is that? And because flight isn't a thing in ape culture, the apes also have never seen the They've stars. They've never seen the stars. They don't have star so they charts. wouldn't have it. Mm-mm. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> They also don't have a navy, so they would have no reason to use Mm-mm. the star because they they they've never left their they've ne- yeah they don't they, they never haven't left even gone York. to the desert to the east or the jungle to the no, east no they haven't tra- the, well because Cornelius gets asks a deep him. shit for going, going there to, well going to the forbidden zone but right. uh, uh, Zeus asks tell me tell me t- talk on mic talk on his mic if you got a thing sorry I was just thinking about how close. you said um, close, close, close. that they don't have star charts and things but um, because they don't have a navy or they don't have um, flight mm-hmm. but even cultures that didn't have those things did have star some, charts yeah. some did like the Aztecs and such oh but, right because you use them to track time and things like that right and yeah. seasons and yeah the Mayans were really interested in that and there's a lot of uh, Pacific uh, I don't know if it's Pacific Island tribes or not but there's a, there's some weird tribes that were aware of the dog because we only started using the sky for navigation as that became 
But their right. their culture is sufficiently advanced that they should have gotten to that already. So the only way that but the but again, it has to be an atmospheric thing where there's they cloud cover it, at yeah. night, so there are no stars. And maybe that explains why they haven't left New York because they have no way to navigate without landmarks. You ha- yeah, you're always lost at sea. There's so that explains why there. the apes have never left New York. Because the only fuck think about that. If we had no North Star to guide us ever, we probably wouldn't have never like left Europe. If we never realized that there were fixed points in the sky. Mm-mm. We probably never would have left a hundred mile radius of wherever our camps are. Yeah. Yeah. Without that, because you don't. You're well, lost. Z- There's has no a, way to get you home. That's why I love Zaius's line where he's talking. He's trying to get Taylor to confess. Confess. Where's your tribe? Even in your language, you uh, the Fort Wayne. So a fort. Where is your tribe? Tell me. Is there a jungle on the other side of the forbidden zone? He's trying to get inf- information. He's trying to get um a cart- he's trying to get uh, map, map information. Yes, yeah, exactly. He's trying to get the geographical information of the world because they've never ventured that far, because, well, in part because they don't have a way to they don't have a way to navigate without using landmarks, and they well I don't know but part of it's religion too. I, dude, that's fascinating. That's why this for movie, some reason I just had the overwhelming urge to watch all of the Mad Max movies. <laughs> Any post? Yeah, it's <laughs> post apocalyptic. I mean, you know. Um. All right, can it's I talk? Can I dive into some cinematography real Please quick? Please do. All right. So shout out again to Leon Shamroy. I, there was in particular, it's the scene where they find out <laughs> they're gonna geld Taylor. Jesus. And he escapes, and he's running around town, and we get to see this cool ape city type deal. And okay, so there are shots where Taylor will run along a like a causeway or a walkway, and then go down a flight of steps. And in that central pillar, there are holes, like see, like viewports. Yep. So the camera will track him, and then as he goes down, we get a crane shot down, and we follow him, him back through the holes. Oh, it's so sexy, dude. Pick, pick him up it's on the lower so level. And then one of my... I mean, there's... God, uh, the so whole chase scene is sh- is uh, very, very, very well shot. Yeah, and also okay because you you're in a this is the note for, about cinematography that that I love. Like we've never seen any of these passageways. We don't, as the audience, know where we are. You never feel lost uh-uh. or confused about where he is in relationship to everyone else, or, or you never feel more you, lost more than lost he would than feel. he would feel. Yeah, which is so huge for. For 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 a cinematographer, cinematographer, for a cinematographer, right? To be able to, but it is because you're getting just as much information that you need to know where you are, which direction he's going, where his motivations are to where he wants to go next. Yeah, where he's headed. Where he's headed. Oh my god! When he finds Dodge and he he runs into like the human museum and he sees Dodge stuck there, dude, that's so nuts. Danielle watched this movie with me. She fucking loved it. it? Never watched it. This was her first watch. First. Oh my god, Carl! Really quick, talk to me. What was her? She fucking loved this movie, dude. (laughs) She's like, why do I feel like I'm I'm time traveling? Like this movie was so ahead of its time. Like just what it's talking about. And then we watched the trailers for the other ones and she's like yeah. this fucking this movie is blowing Bert, my mind I don't think Bert will be on any of the episodes because of the the, the downbeat the downbeat well that's, of that's the, the other thing that she came up with she was like especially at the end because it was a surprise ending for her she, oh my god <laughs> that's so amazing I know I got to, I got to sit and witness the human beings get the get the twist ending at the end of Planet of the Apes it was fucking amazing what did she oh was my like god. Wait. tell me she, tell me Carl what goes, was it like she goes wait what what? I'm like, yeah, that's the Statue it's of Liberty. Earth, baby. She's like, we we did, we did it, we did, we blew we blew the whole planet up. Fuck, 
Fuck us. We're about to hit <laughs> we're about to hit some of my favorite lines ever. And by the way, this movie has like four of the most iconic lines in history. Like lines that pop up in in pop culture like references it, constantly. Like it's a madhouse. It's a madhouse pops up. I'm about to get to um the, the first line we hear from him after he gets shot in the uh, neck. But before we go, I want to give his first give, spoken line after he's shot after he gets yeah. shot. But I want to give uh, Shamurai one more shout out. OK, so when you're talking about cinematography, there's levels, there's depth and there's space. Those are three things I always look for when I'm watching camera work. Do we does the camera pay attention to what is above it and what is below it? Or are we constantly just staring straight ahead? Shamroy moves us from level to level. We have a lot of cranes. We move up and down a mm-hmm. lot. We're aware of. We talked about it with Last Tango in season one, but we're aware of there is a there is a space above what we can see. Yes, there's a space below what we there's. This is a world. That's that how you create he, a world. Keep, yes, and it also helps lock you into where you are. Right, because it gives you more information. <laughs> exactly. But and all, but also it's because our brains like more information. We get to it creates. I think I I think. Moving the camera creates texture, but also one one thing that creates texture is being aware of the depth of your scene. Do you have things in your foreground, midground, and background, or do you have everyone staged against a wall? You know, if, some- if if you're shooting if you're shooting straight on a wall and you have two, I'm thinking of a shot in Chasing Amy. There's which is actually kind of a fun shot. It's a nod to Clerks. They have two guys standing against the wall talking to each other. There's no depth at all to the shot. It's very visually boring. Mm-hmm. But because it's a reference to Clerks, I end up liking it. But that's bad cinematography. In this one, when Heston's running down the, he's running along the causeway. He's in the foreground. Then he turns, and it's a spiral staircase, and, and he moves in the down into the the midground. Okay. And then, as we look through the portholes and see him running, we become aware of the background where the other apes are panicking. So the sh- the shot itself creates a shitload of depth. It's deep and wide. It is deep and wide. So I, my note is changing levels, moving in space, exploring depth. And on top of it all, Shamroy does wildly experimental shots. Like it's like the the rollover shots, the flying past the, the the weird whip pans and it's almost like he has a camera in like a bouncy ball and is just bouncing. Like, yeah. Some of the shots are so like un because he has a very strong and well executed sense of classic clean cinematography and he utilizes it very well which makes the wild whipping shots so, so much, much more crazier yeah. yeah it's like when we're when we're in the hunt scene and the camera falls as we would fall and we're looking at the sky and then we're seeing like apes upside down and shit yeah that stuff hits harder because the rest of the film it's is so, so well executed yeah. this is a beautifully shot movie um, all right, now we're into quotes. All right. And also one of the coolest stunts I've ever seen, which is catching Taylor in a net and then four stuntmen jump off of a ledge and suck the net. Oh, that up. was so Dude, fucking it's cool. So amazing. Yeah, they get him, they go <laughs> over and then they oop, whoop and he gets sucked sucked up and then they slowly lower him down. Oh, awesome amazing. stunt. Awesome stunt. <laughs> and then one of the let him go, let him go cuz uh Zero's come over to try and Protect him. every time. This is one of the most misquoted quotes of all time. Mm-hmm. I wrote down it. I wrote it down word for I word. I did too because what I usually say is, "Get your hands off me, you damn dirty ape," and that is not it. Let's take your stinking paws off me. Hold on. <clears throat> take your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape, dude. Daniel was not familiar with that quote. And you gotta, when he, you gotta when recall he, off. When he, I know when he said it though, she was like. Yeah, 
Like she was so fucking excited for Taylor. She's like, fuck yeah, get your hands off of me, fucking like, damn dirty ape. She was like all into it. Dude, it's yeah. there's a reason that people quote yeah. that line is he's been mute for the whole movie up to this point. Uh, that's I, the first thing he says to I, the apes. Take your stinking bu-. dude, it's yeah. iconic. Moments later, he like I didn't realize how quickly the 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 big quotes in this movie stack on each other until the very end. Because Madhouse happens like five minutes later. Not even. Yeah, he's like sleeping, and they they wake him up to go geld him. Once they find out he can yeah. talk, they're like, "We gotta fuck with him. Yeah, cut his dick. We're off. gonna kill this guy because he's too smart. Too no, smart. His- no, because they were gonna they were gonna geld him because Zayas knew he could write. That's right. And then they put him back in there, and they're spraying him with the hose. And you know, if like, you just move laterally, you get out of the spray. No, not if you're Heston, though. If you you're, sit there, if you're, you, you have to, you fight it. You push against it. As an actor, oh, we the water gives you, and we don't. Carl's, Carl's Kamehameha, me bit by bit. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there's a great moment. Yeah, just There's a great moment where he is getting sprayed. And he's like, you bastard, you damn, damn ape bastard, fucking shit cunt. And they're like, okay, Heston. Uh, again. Co- uh, all right. Woo. Take two. You're allowed to say damn. That's the one We've we gave you. over this. Damn. Mr. Heston. All right. And action. Spray. Fuck you. You fucking cunt ate. Suck my butthole. They're like, cut. Holy Fuck. shit. He went Heston. Worse. He went first. He went. Yeah, he, he. Dude, you're digging yourself a hole. <laughs> Wait, you wanted more? You wanted less? What did you. Tell me what you fucking want. All right. Uh, we want you to just. You can only say damn. How about that? Just say damn or damn it or you damn dirty All right, ape. I've got this. All right, here we go. Action. Fucking pee hole. Okay, cut. What? I said pee, pee hole's not bad. You said fucking before that, Heston. <laughs> You fucking liar. <laughs> B-hole's not bad. <laughs> yes, but you said fucking you before. You said right before that was the F word, though. P-hole? No, fucking, Heston. You want me to say fucking? No. Heston. Listen, Charlie. Charlie, come here. Walk with me. All right. Okay, well, I think we got it, guys. And action. Fucking in your ass, fuck face. And you're like, okay. Okay, put the, actually put the hose on And him. break for the day. Shoot him in the mouth next time. Right. <laughs> Hey, uh, hey, <laughs> Billy, uh, Billy, ape, ape suit, Billy, come here. When you're spraying Heston, shoot him in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's an ad lib line. Right. It's a man house. <laughs> a man house. <laughs> they cut the scene of the, the moments of that shot moments before, like, which was just Heston. Fucking pee hole. <laughs> no, the moments before were like, this wasn't in my contract. <laughs> right. It's a man. House. And they're like, Keep put it. that in. Keep madhouse it. is great. That'll be iconic. Put that on a t-shirt. What does he say right after it? It's a madhouse, you fucking cunt. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope, nope. We're gonna trim it there. Madhouse stays in. That because that's the next line. Give him a bunch of scotch tonight so he doesn't remember this. Dude, that is one of the best lines ever. It's yes. a madhouse. A, a madhouse. Mad that's it. That's the line. And yet constantly referenced. Always. Holy shit. And when so you see many when you hear Heston say it, you're like. Because you're there with we're him. We're busting you're Heston's with, balls yeah, a little, but dude, this performance is amazing. Seriously. Okay. I have a note about this. Let's jump. Because because we're talking about quotes, I want to hit that. There's two more quotes that I love. You're, my, you're not as smart as Stuart, but you're the only, only girl, girl in, in town. town. No, that's that was not one of mine. But okay, actually, I have three quotes that I want to hit. But we're doing quotes, so let's, let's nail them. One of the things that impresses me every time I see this movie is how 
big Heston goes and it works. Yeah. When have you ever seen another actor literally dial it up to 29 and have it totally play? I don't think there is one, dude. Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that movie wasn't too big at all. <laughs> no, I mean, he was right where he needed to be. Yeah, he had that sweet spot of like just barely not even remotely believable. I believe believable. they call it finesse. Yeah, he finessed it. <laughs> exactly. Dude, okay. Uh, before we get to the biggest line in the movie, which, ho- holy shit. Holy shit, dude. You just, you just, your heart almost stops when you hear the hear. Heston do the line because you've heard a billion people do mm-hmm. it. It's it's a recurring joke on Archer as Krieger says it all the time. Are you serious? Yeah, Krieger constantly is doing the you've maniacs. He's always doing that bit, and it's funny. And that that actor when he does it sounds kind of. I think he does Heston. That's funny. A touch. It is funny. So there's a moment when he's he's on trial and he's like, "There's another man with me who can speak," and they're like, "Show us, show us who is he?" And he goes, "There he is. It's Landon, the white guy." Because we can't have the black guy live too long because that'd be weird for the right, 60s for audiences. But so they're like Landon and they turn he turns Landon and they see that he's been lobotomized. They see the cut. Oh, oh my God. Heston's line is it's this long sigh and he the line is ah they cut him. That's it. Yeah. They cut him. Heston's disgust it's it is disgust at the apes and despair that the last speaking human has been robbed of yes. him. It is this beautiful mare. It's it's when you it see that your heart. when you see that you realize because there's a lot of Charlton Heston jokes. There's a lot of fun. He's a fun. Well, yeah, he's a very he's a fun, fun impression. Person. Yes, yes. But he's also a top tier actor, dude. That's one of my. That's one of the most. I mean, you don't get just get any slouch to to play Judah Ben Hur. I mean, no, dude. That but that or Moses. Ah, they cut him that is one of the best lines in this movie and it gets rolled over constantly Mm -hmm. like you never you never hear that line but when i was watching that last night i paused the fucking movie and i wrote that whole dude that is amazing that line is amazing because it's not you've meddled with his brain you damn dirty apes it's they cut him you're very poignant and and i love your notes and and how deep we get into this and what's your funny note (laughs) and my note about the same scene is C-shaped incision makes no sense. Not Sean Connery's got a hole in his noodle. (laughs) (laughs) Look, man, I'm the peanut butter of the Reese's and you're the goofy of the fun chocolate coating. (laughs) We make make a good Oreo, buddy. (laughs) Not Sean Connery's got a hole in his noodle. Yeah, I'm the I'm that salty, poignant peanut butter near the jelly. Sweet. <laughs> Bring in the jelly, Carl. Um, our hydraulic pumps full of jelly. <laughs> I know it's all Patreon. You have it. to go to Patreon to hear it. But please do. Um, all right, so there's another. I'm gonna skip over this one, and we got to do the last line. We got to do it. Okay. Oh, I have one note about the courtroom scene. Hit it up, just real quick, because mm-hmm. I have a couple of things. Oh, we can um, go back. We'll we'll, we'll okay, work we'll up to that through. last okay, line. Cool, so cool. my next this is my last bits. My next yeah. note, and because we love Heston so much, I want to shout out Linda Harrison because this is her first film. Really like, introducing Linda Harrison as Nova. This is her first movie. Oh, I mean, considering that she doesn't have anything to say in the zero movie, lines. Good performance. She, well, she conveys. 
everything that you need to know. That's what I wrote down. I wrote down that her blank eyes when he's talking to her and she's just like, he's making those fucking weird noises again. You see that like, buh. Like kind of how like a dog looks at you if you've been talking to it for, and it's like, I don't right, know. Right, you, you could joke. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you could joke and say like, oh yeah, she's good because she doesn't have to talk. No. Dial but tone is very hard. Because there are there are you fireworks got, happening. They're just little sparklers. They're gotta, not Roman candles. Right. Like, you got to turn because they call him bright eyes. You got to turn your brain off enough to make yourself look dull. Right. That's hard. Because his that's why they call him bright eyes. Right. Because um, he's because he looks, he looks intelligent. One of my favorite things about her is when he he when he it's during that like you're the only girl in town and he smiles and she and she smiles back. Go talk on the mic. I just have no about the bright eyes thing. He's also the only blonde haired, blue eyed dude. He Everybody is. else has dark hair, dark oh, eyes. Shit. Right. This movie is not Nazi propaganda. No, <laughs> 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 over blue. But uh, th- that moment when she tries to smile for the first time, try it. Try to smile without smiling without, with your eyes. Like you're aping it? Exactly. Right. Try to smile with just your mouth. It's hard. It's. Mm-hmm. Re- I was doing it last night as, as I was watching. I was doing the like. But you can't smile with your eyes. It's it's hard, dude, because you, yeah. know, you know how to smile. Well, yeah, because the natural inclination yeah, is to smile with your eyes. I touch you to smile. Dude, such a sad... But on, I wanted to shout out Harrison before we got too much further in, because honestly, her performance... We do see some other humans, and they're fun. They're like, uh, uh, doing that thing. Right. Dude, the, the old man with the sugar cube, the way he eats it, where he, oh. he just has a... He doesn't, like, use his fingers to get he in it. He palms it just in like, his face. Oh. He just like jams it into his open maw. It's mm-hmm. f- that that scene, that little beat disturbs me. Yep, it is disturbing. The old guy with the mouth open, he's not even looking at at Zira. He's just like uh, he's so got his mouth automatic need to He feed. has his mouth open and he's waiting to feel the sugar so he can and he doesn't come like the way we put food in. He nope, comes just backwards comes in. Like, in. Uh, Dude, it's so nuts. This is a great this okay, this is a really fun movie. It's Planet of the Apes yes. 68. I'm glad we started it, but this is an excellent film as Fuck well. Me. This is a great flick and a great film for I would sure. Agree. For sure, I mean, it's got that 1968 charm about it too. All the stupid it shit does. that doesn't work, like, like it's fucking amazing. They're the most uncomfortable backpacks you've ever seen, like totally flat steel boxes why, that you put why, on your back. Why is that what you're going to bring to space with you? Right. A steel backpack. <laughs> like, guys, that's got to feel you're, really bad. You're to wear walking that. about 400 <laughs> yards before you got to take that fucker off and sit a spell. Right. You're just like. like God, my, lump, my lower lumbar I'm, is just... I'm an astronaut. I'm in, like, really good shape. <laughs> I feel like my sciatic is my hips fuck. just were dislocated. <laughs> Did you hear an audible pop when I... <laughs> yeah, they take I 10 steps on the trail. Yeah, and they're just like, I don't know why, but my knees ache. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the pain in my forehead. I think it's the backpack. <laughs> Guys, like, we gotta ditch ooh, this shit. This is horrible. That has all our water in it. I don't care. Don't give a shit. Do your ribs hurt? <laughs> like, those backpacks are the least ergonomic thing you've ever seen <laughs> dude i lost a tooth just now <laughs> is, what is going, going on? on take the backpacks off get them off guys, get them off, off. <laughs> um yeah we already talked about that a little bit all right so okay when when they actually get once they see that landon's been lobotomized and zayas charges them the charge i think is the moment where this movie's because okay this is a fun movie it does stop being fun at a point and when starts they, getting serious or starts getting heavy. And that for me is the moment Cornelius and get and charged, get with, charged with, with scientific heresy. Yeah. Cause that you you do a full, your brain does like a full stop on that. You're like, what? 
What'd they get charged with? Scientific, Scientific heresy. heresy, dude. I, like right now, chills. We yeah. talk about this all the time. Like whether or not something's good is, does it give you chills when you think about it? My whole body yeah. is goosebumps right now. Just thinking about- I felt about, like I just sprouted wings. I'm like, Ooh. Yeah, just thinking about that, like that, that, the, this world and is- what a, that means. Oh like, my mm. God, dude. Um, okay, do we address the super heavy handed see no, see no evil? evil. That's, that's my you know, see no speak no evil. So it's a little heavy handed, but it's how they get into it. I like it. Which may, which makes it not cheesy because it doesn't all happen at once. They kind of morph into it gradually. Slowly, and the other thing I like about it. Until you realize what they're doing. And you're like, holy shit. When you see it, you're like, you guys are doing the monkey thing. I have tiki glasses that have the yep. see no evil. But, but um, in this context, it's not funny. I it isn't it, bird pointed it out and she's like that's kind of heavy-handed and i was watching and i'm like i actually look because that's a director's note they're like we're gonna do the ceno right because no we got here. three monkeys it's three monkeys apes. in a row apes in a row and you know that those actors were like this is no way is this gonna right. work but they sell it though they do because he's not actually covering his ears he's, just, he's resting on his hands mm-hmm. and the other one's resting on his like hands oh in front of his God. eyes right and the one guy has got a, he's it's his hands are like like the oh my god I'm covering my mouth right. they they managed to make it look just natural enough that it right. doesn't come off to me as super heavy handed I actually like the beat because it's a moment of levity in a really heavy dude it's this the, is, this that is the darkest moment drama. in the movie yeah. that courtroom scene is they strip him down to nothing it's like his his clothes stink yeah those clothes smell, are offensive so they, to us so they uh, rip his clothes they're, off they're offensive to our dignity yeah. and they strip his clothes and he uses them to cover his his genitals and oh my god dude rated g bravo for all audiences g this is a g rated film dude oh <laughs> uh, and the next one is too yeah i god i want to talk about well wait but like we'll wait, the next yeah. one they worship a nuclear bomb <laughs> and it's rated g what the fuck like the mpaa didn't give a shit back in the yeah, day fuck it as long as they're not no nah, leave that into it they're like hmm uh well as long we, as they don't say god damn it hey, listen we were watching the movie and um okay so we, we love the whole the, everything's fine g g rated but after the 30 minute mouth sex scene someone says jesus christ now that jesus christ is gonna have to hard go hard r yeah we're gonna have to r that up and they're like well we'll take jesus christ out and we'll make the mouth sex mm-hmm. 15 minutes longer right. and they're like g again that's and we fine. can leave a little bit of cum on his chin that'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> they're like did you what was the cum okay and they're like the cum, cum was, was fine. fine we didn't have a problem with cum jesus likes cum you know, well, actually, the mouth sex thing wouldn't fly because that's fly, not yeah. in the Bible. No. And they're like, and then Heston comes in. No, I'm, oh, we can't go down Stop. that rabbit hole. We can't do it. Okay, okay. Um, so then we go on. <laughs> we go. I think Bird stepped and it creaked at the same moment. That saved you. But so they go to the they go to the diggings. They go into the cave, and this is where shit gets weird. Yeah. I found these artifacts here and these, these artifacts here. Further down, right. I love I love the subtlety that Heston manages here where he goes and sits and he pulls the sheet back and you see as Cornelius is explaining Going the digging, his hole, yeah. you see you see Heston recognizing things. Mm-hmm. And again, that's that's face acting right there, man. That's that's hmm. And actually, I might I might nominate the the fingers thing for hand acting. Yeah, pretty good. It is pretty damn good. But uh Watching him see those things And they're like Show him the doll The doll And it's a human doll And he goes I can explain Cornelius I can explain explain that They used to keep humans as pets Back when we were dumb And we weren't You know Genociding them Like God wanted us to Everyone had dolls of humans We played with them Yeah And then Dude 
I love that Heston ha- doesn't it doesn't click for him. Now I don't know if he was he's, he wasn't a man like I'm a man, but he was pretty close. He had the same weaknesses, bad eyes. He's, 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 he had glasses, false teeth yeah. and glasses, and he had a bad heart. This is where they put in an artificial valve. He still hasn't. It still hasn't clicked for him that these are human things. Human human things. Yeah. Not like other planet other human pl- things, but actual actual earthling, human yeah. earthling human things. And then when the when uh, Nova gets spooked by the doll going, ah! and that's when you see Heston doesn't get it yet, no. but he gets that Cornelius is right that humans were here first yes. before the apes. He picks that doll up, dude. What a what a fucking amazing line. Would an ape make a human doll that talks? And he throws it at Zayas. <laughs> No, sure wouldn't. Oh, because the humans are mute. Yes. I have a note about that. If humans are mute on this planet, that means because we know that the apes, because they speak English, learned language from humans. The fact that humans no longer have language means that the apes systematically and consciously repressed humans' ability to develop language. Any little minute steps towards language were stomped out by a massacre. Fuck. The apes are literally like Nazis, dude. We were joking about it earlier, but they they have a they have had a the, because we systematically, but and also because we find out that Zaius has like an extra fucking fifteen, 15 books scrolls? of the Bible. Yeah. So there's like some secret society, like they're not even like Dead what, what Sea the scrolls. They're like live but hidden from you scrolls. What's it? Called? What's the uh, the Illuminati? There's an Illuminati thing going where Zaius is sending people out like. If you guys find any humans that are like talking, kill Destroy them. them. Okay. We can't. They have been systematically repressing man's ability to speak. It's too dangerous. That's dude. Yeah. That's dark. This is the rest of this movie from here out is like black. Oh, it's bleak as shit, dude. Black, yeah. dark <laughs> ass yeah. shit. Um, except for the all right, but you're so damned ugly line. That's very charming. That's very. Doctor, I'd like to kiss you, and you just you know that's that that's right. But she's so damn he's, ugly. She's trying to get Heston to not do it because she's like, oh, but your breath smells so much like brandy. And they're like, we're gonna just ADR, <laughs> just ADR that, that to be you're so damned ugly. And so on the days like, listen, bitch, I'm gonna fucking kiss you, you and they're like, they're like, titties. let keep rolling. What? We're gonna we'll get that, that in post. You can't see his face, so we're just gonna ADR when he's having a better day, right? And she's like, but you reek like brandy. You so damn ugly. We can make so that damn work. Ugly. We can but make that work. Good. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. <laughs> kiss, exactly. Gives her the kiss. I love Cornelius's response, response too, to that because it's that that is an amazing prosthetic because it's not just like his eyebrows. His nose like <laughs> flares. Yes. His his dude. That's a that's a prosthetic on an actor's face and the nostrils flare. What an amazing prosthetic. Like mad shout out to the effects people on this. We haven't talked about them that much, but the apes, the ape faces, the ape bodies, the ape costumes, and also the performances of how they walk and how they move. That's why this movie works. Yeah. Is because everyone, we're watching people in rubber masks pretend to be apes, but everyone sells it so, so hard. Well. Yes. It's bravo. Brav- no, no one is, is, is playing this for anything other than completely... They, serious science fiction. Yeah, this is not. Uh, this is not. Um, shit, who played Obi Wan Kenobi uh, in the original Star Wars? His name is uh, Alec Guinness. Alec, Gil- Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness hated that. He thought it was the dumbest shit ever, and he thought it would tank his career. No one in this. I don't think anyone in this movie thought that. I think everyone was in. Yeah, no, I think everyone in absolutely. this movie was like, "All right, let's do this shit mm-hmm. for sure." So now we're there. 
Now we're there, Carl. When he, I love the 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 beat where Cornelius has just been untied and the apes are chasing Heston down the thing. And he goes, "Wait, stop! Oh, right, let him go." Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, this is important. Right here, blow up the blow up the diggings. You two are under arrest. You'll be charged with scientific heresy. And you're like, "Wait, I thought what? That's the last time we see Cornelius and Zira. Mm-hmm. They're about to be dragged off in front of a tribunal and probably sentenced to two years in prison." Yep. So we'll we'll talk about it in a, in a bit, but right here is the beginning of one of the most downer endings I've ever seen. So I don't actually know what the destiny line means. Do you? Because I think I think it means his he's, destiny. He's destined to. to oh my not god! Survive. I just got the. Yeah. I just understood what the destiny thing was. Uh, and again, go. that that paragraph. Go, 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 go. Well, no, let's get to the line, and then I'll yeah, I'll, I'll weave the destiny thing into. I'm writing it down. Destiny. I'll weave, weave that into my big final thoughts on the movie, which probably shouldn't have watched this right before bed because then you're sleeping and you're just like you're having some rough humans yeah. are doomed. <laughs> but um, we're doomed. So he's riding along the beach and. This is to this movie's credit. This is a moment where the cinematography and the score work against each other in an awesome way. Because it's triumphant in the score? No. No. The cinematography is man and a woman on a horse riding on a beach. It's like the end of a romance movie. Yeah. We're riding into the sunset and a new dawn is breaking. And, and it's on a gonna, beach. Yeah, it's a beach and there's the crashing waves and it's like, we're going to start a new... Uh, <laughs> that, that was Shatner. Shatner was about to talk just now. <laughs> we're going to start a new... Civilization, but instead, but it was actually Huston. He's like, "Listen, bitch, <laughs> I'm going. To- <laughs> you give me a baby. Then- that's not Heston. That's not where the baby juice. Jesus goes. fucking God Christ, Charlie. That is, <laughs> for starters, that's repulsive. <laughs> Second, that's not at all how that works. <laughs> if she. Don't you ever fucking tell me how sex does or doesn't work, you little boy. If you want a boy, you... If you want a girl, you... The what? I th- I know we're at the end, but I think we gotta fire him. <laughs> like, I literally don't think we can work with him anymore, right? Like, I think we're done with. I mean, we are still. I can play the tape back. Did you hear what he just said? <laughs> I think we have to fire Charlton Heston. There's no way that the studio lets that ride. I can't. I'm qu- I quit. I'm quitting. And if you want a puppy, you. <laughs> what? What did you just say? If you want a puppy, God damn it! How many times do I have to say it? <laughs> All right, I quit. I'm I done. Quit. They little known fact. Like, yeah, little known fact. Can't. The end of this movie was shot by a different by, director. By Charlton Heston. The last three minutes. Give me your goddamn camera. Give me the cameras. All right, here's it. We're th- this script is stupid. We're throwing it out. Here's what happens. <laughs> He's get, turning into Donald Trump a little bit. <laughs> here's what happens, okay? Taylor <laughs> is going to find the Statue of Liberty, all right? And the immigrants buried it up to its neck, okay? Because we didn't build the border wall. So they came over and destroyed. They destroyed. They made America ape again, all right? <laughs> Nice. You're welcome for oh. that. Thank you. No, Thank I'll shake you. it. I'll shake All it. All right. Does. Bravo me. Yeah. Bravo me. Check of the episode. Checks payable to cash. Send them to. <laughs> <laughs> um All right. So he's rolling down the he's rolling down the beach and we get that we get that triumphant shot. Because again, I'm telling you, this cinematographer knows what he's doing. Wide angles, wide shots, the glamour, the the where he's doing cranes shooting down, so we get the wide stretch of beach, we get the sunlight on the ocean, mm. and this idyllic yep. man and woman on a horse. It's beautiful. But then we get that 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 choice to shoot 
down. Down, not bird's eye, but but high. We're shooting. We're shooting like three quarters high down. So we're getting that long beach, and then all of a sudden, this weird little flame. This thing. This patinaed statue with barbed wire and fishing shit wrapped around it, and disgust and. just barely intrudes yeah. on the left lower left corner of your screen and then the the, the horse rides by and that's a, fu- a little false start because we get another idyllic wide right away yep and you're like well, what was, am i seeing that was kind of weird yeah. now rewind from the start of their escape the score is that is not at all the music of an idyllic horse no you're like what's what What's happening? Ding 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 ding. That it's dude, it's genius. The end of this movie is a tour de force. Yes, it's absolutely brilliant because when Heston, we get that second setup where he's riding and we see the horse. Actually, wrote down actually what Danielle said at the end when when this revealed. That's one big holy shit. Dude, it is yeah. like the end of this movie. She's like, that is one big holy shit. The first time I saw now, okay, this is gonna this is a little moment of sad before we talk okay. about the best thing ever. First time I saw this this moment, hard air quotes, was the Tim Burton remake. I saw the Tim mm. Burton film before this, so I saw this moment before this. But unless I'm mistaken, Wahlberg does not do the. He doesn't. It's they just go out on the Statue of Liberty what? and it's silent. <laughs> what? No. No. What? What? Say how do you mother for me? <laughs> hey Statue of Liberty, I'm Mark Wilberg. Say how do you mother for me? Say how you mother for what? me. What? What? No. No. What? Apes? No. You monkeys, what? Is this a planet of apes? Do you know that I produce Hey Ape the show? Say hi to your mother for me. Entourage? It's great. What? Now I don't know what you're doing anymore. Now it's uh, it's turned into like like uh, you called like a really creepy sex line. <laughs> hey, I'll be your producer. Unzip, unzip your pants. Just, yeah. just. Oh God, that's horrible. In the headphones, that was really, really fucking repulsive. <laughs> but you saw the shit version. I saw of the this. shit version first. So when I saw this for the first time, it was like a revelation. First time I saw this so, was the Lampoon version of in Spaceballs, and I didn't get the reference. Ah, because it's Mega Made. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, that's a good first way to experience <laughs> right? exactly. that too. But then you see, you see one tine, and you don't know what it is until you see the second tine. And the second you see that second tine like, of oh, the crown, shit. you know, you're yep. like, that is the fucking Statue of Liberty. I mean, you know it. Yeah, and and the 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 twist ending of this movie, it's important that it's a twist because the first time you see it, you really don't know it's Earth. You no. honestly do not know it's Earth until the Statue of Liberty, and that is to this movie's credit because they give you a lot of clues. And the second you see the Statue of Liberty's crown, you're like, "Oh my God!" And your brain breaks yes. because you go back through the whole movie and you're like, "This is why this. This is why this." Yeah, it this all locks why. into place. It's just this. It's genius writing because the whole movie is like spinning gears that mean nothing, and then at the very and end, then, poof, bam, 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 bam. Oh, everything God. slams into it's place. It's like the automatic locks on the bank vault just going. Poof, Locking into place. I, I, one of the things, because I was watching the movie last night, and there's a, there's a, there's a part of this quote that doesn't get repeated. The quote usually starts with you maniacs, mm-hmm. but there's a beautiful little beat right before it where he gets off the 
where he gets off the horse and falls into the onto his knees in the waves and he mm-hmm. goes we finally really did it that is literally the all the rest is just heston going to 29 and making it work that's right. the thesis of the oh, movie we finally did it we finally really, really did, did it. it that is the that's the what he's feeling in that moment that's the thesis of the film i think it's the single most important like sentence in the film we especially when because your brain is doing all of that work locking those pieces together and also because i'm reading blake snyder's save the cat right now he has a thing called first image and last image and they're supposed to interact with each other the first thing you see and the last thing you see and the first thing we see is heston going tell me does man still make war on his brother does he still let his Mm -hmm. neighbor's children starve and the last line of the movie is we finally really did it it's the answer to the question he began the film with. There's also kind of a mirror image of a half-buried spaceship coming out of water and a half-buried um, Statue of Liberty. They're both only showing the tops of their... Yeah. Like, it's kind of a unique yeah. image. Uh, but I love that this movie starts with a question and ends, ends with, with the answer to, to that, that question. No, we finally did. Which is genius. It's Amazing. really brilliant filmmaking. And then obviously the rest of the quote. It's been... Do we? You want to give it a whirl? Let's both try it. I don't have it written down. I do. There's the line... Give it your best shot, Carl. I'm gonna. I'll monitor your volume because you're gonna have to go big. Obviously. Uh, we finally really did it. You maniacs! You blew it up! God damn you! God damn you all to hell! <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. That was so fucking baller. <laughs> Watching your teeth, watching you like make more teeth <laughs> appear in your I face. A, I had a spawn calcium. <laughs> You're like, if I'm gonna do the Heston, I'm gonna need at, at least, least five more. more so you're just like, I could just see him just, yeah! <laughs> These cigar stained teeth just growing out of my cheeks like a fucking lamprey. And I was like, yeah. All right. <laughs> it made me a little lightheaded. Ooh. I'm not gonna lie. I can't follow that up. I literally can't. I I don't even want to because that was just too good, Carl. It's too big and too well executed. Well, then mic drop. Yeah, Do dude. Do you want to go for it? I will. I will go for it because that's the spirit of the thing. I'm I mean, gonna have come to. On. I'll have to modulate my own volume. All right, and I'm gonna heston it because you did too. <clears throat> we finally really did it, you maniacs! You blew it up! God damn you! God damn you all to hell! I went down with it at the end. You did. You did. Because I, I, I let the despair... It hit you. There's a little... Yeah, I realized... You had nothing left. It's, I felt... What mm. I did was I, I was I was raging, and then I felt the hopelessness flood. And there's nothing and left. It, the tank just... It pulled the plug, yeah. and I the last of the pow, of the of the anger got out before I went down. That's, that's, so that's what I was swinging for. Well, so I just went fucking yard. So that's well, and I was also I'm also running my own my own mic volume, so I wasn't emoting with my face. But I'm like, keep the keep. It's keep a, it. This is we're doing radio, baby. <laughs> so yeah, put the gun away. This is radio, not so. Oh my god, die hard. So here's my um here's my last note on this about this downbeat ending. Because this is a fun movie mm-hmm. up until like the last 10 minutes and then it takes a weird downturn and you're waiting for the up for and the up, it never, never comes. Happens. Zira and Cornelius go on trial 
and probably let's be let's just say it they get convicted for two years two years of scientific heresy ape culture is unchanged and taylor slash mankind are cast into despair doom and damnation is the point of this whole exercise this film is as bleak as taylor is and he's proven right in the end where he answers his own question Mm -hmm. and that is what's down there his destiny but but you think about think about it for a second. What is Taylor to Zaius? He's not an individual. He's a man, and man means flip the the species really right. quick. It's like, wh- what's that over there? No, oh, that's an ape. That's not an individual. It's just it's, it's an, an ape. ape. It's a gorilla. Who gives a fuck? It's a gorilla. So when he's riding down the beach and Zaius is looking after him, Taylor's not a uh, most. Uh, men, all men look alike to most apes. That's an important line in this mm-hmm. movie. When he's riding down there, what's he gonna find? He, I don't know, fucking. Doesn't he's, care. He's a human. He's gonna find his destiny. And you know what his destiny is? Doom. Like that, dude. The end Amazing. of this. The end of this movie is the end of the human race. This movie doesn't. I mean, it doesn't obviously because there's four more, four more yeah. and then a shitload of spinoffs. But like, the if this movie had stopped here, I'd be. I'd love it just as much as I do. Yeah. You know? Oh no, franchise! I'm glad we. I'm glad we have a franchise because yeah, it's too. so fun. But, but man, like the end of this movie is fairly explicitly like oh, men destroyed themselves, and they're done, and the apes aren't doing much better, and they're probably headed for that too. Yeah, everything sucks, and all life on Earth will be ended in less than a thousand years. That's the end of this movie, fairly explicitly. Yes, Jesus, dude. <sighs> But so good, like yeah, it's yeah, a, it is. It's a down. It's a. It's bummer. like all good science fiction. I mean, I mean, everyone loves happy endings or something that is a little more uplifting. Or hey, there's there's hope out there that you know we're not as bad as we, you know, the humans are good too. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But you know, sometimes it's all right to be like, yeah, well, you know, maybe not. Yeah, that's and that's, let's be aware of that. That's really that's one of the craziest things about this movie is, de- depending on who you are. This movie is either really fun or incredibly depressing. Yeah, it was it was it was as fun as it was depressing in a weird in the weirdest sort yeah. of way. I, I will. I I mean, I watch it again today, dude. Oh, like yeah, it's, absolutely. it's it's it is a really fun movie and it's super enjoyable to watch. But that ending does not have you walking happy out of the room. No, you no, know, you're at not all. you're not popping the DVD out like boy, that was fun. You're like oh. Ooh, You're I was like, I see what you did there, movie. All right, yeah. thanks for that. I think it is an age thing too. Like, yeah. I would, I would, I would totally show this movie to children. Yeah, like ten years. It is rated G for I mean, general audiences. I was thinking about that. G doesn't mean what it Do used to mean anyway. PG used to have a lot more because that meant parental it. guidance. It was kind of PG thirteen. Yeah. was PG right, and then R was when you used the Lord's name in vain. But um, I, I don't know, man. Like, do you remember Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Mm-hmm. Remember the child catcher? Yeah, terrifying. Dude, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was like scarred me more than almost any other movie I've ever seen, and it's a funny, weird musical about a flying car. Yeah, it's produced by the same. It's an uh, Albert R. Broccoli production. Yeah, so it's James, the James Bond, Bond people. people. Yeah, so like, I, I think it was good of good for me to watch that movie as a kid. I would. There's nothing in this that I wouldn't show like a ten year old. Yeah, honestly, like or an eight year old. Go ahead. Like it's fun. There's. Because it's that Neil Gaiman Coraline thing. Like exactly. I would show them, they're gonna see them the apes on horses and be like, "Wow!" They're gonna miss all the subtext, which is they're fine. gonna see the people hanging on the on that 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 bleeding. But they're bar, just basically. 
No, it's not even that. It's <laughs> they're dead humans, but they don't. They when, don't see that. When we see that, we associate that with genocide and the Vietnam, Vietnam War, War, the Holocaust. That's what we're seeing. Kids don't have those touchstones yet, so they just see like, oh no, there's dead people. But it doesn't bother them like it bothers us because we associate it with actual Everything, atrocities. All atrocity, yeah. Yeah. So I'd sh- I would gl- I would show this to a kid, and I think it'd probably be good for kids to see. Absolutely. Like, and not not just because like it's educational, but it's also fun. It's a fun. This is a fun movie for movie. kids. Yes. But when you get older, this movie becomes a whole other thing. Which sure we're does. Learning right now. I got nothing else for Planet. Do you? I'm good. So next week we're hitting up uh, Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which is a trippy ass movie. That's dude. a weird one, man. Big, uh, pretty much all of them are weird yeah, after this, they are. <laughs> but they're weird in, in great ways too. And there is an overarching theme. There, the the story continues, and you you under you understand more of how this ape culture came into existence, right? Which is a paradox, but it's don't worry amazing. about it, Carl. It's all good because <laughs> it's a parallel universe. Yeah, that's right. Dude, I, I watching this movie with Bird was real fun because she kept saying shit, and I'm like, oh. "Oh, Bird was like all fan theories rolled into one." I love that. I know it's oh great. My God, that's amazing. All right, so let's get out of here. If yep, you yep. want to send us anything, you got recommendations. You like if you like our uh, drive-ins, diners, yep, you and know dives, how sex actually works. Yeah, explain that to us because Charlton know. Heston taught us. And he's I not think doing he's a good not job. right about yeah, it. I think he's maybe he it, missing the mark a little. It bit. It feels like he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Uh, drop us a line at measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Um, thanks to all our patrons over on patreon.com slash quill and film, Q-U-I-L-L-A-N-D-F-I-L-M, where you can get bonus episodes and shoutouts on the show like these. Thank you, John Scheibe and Casey Scheibe. We decided to do a film that took place in your hometown. So <laughs> 2,000 some ideas in the future. Dude, you, know what's, parallel you know what's weird, though, is this is totally a New York City movie. <laughs> like this is an NY Woody Allen movies take place in the same spot the same that spot. this one does. <laughs> so give it a spin. It takes place. You like your, Annie Hall? You're gonna love Planet of the Apes. Basically the same film, honestly. Much. Yeah, Woody Allen ripped it off really hard. You can just tell when you, you watch. When you're watching Annie Hall, you're like, Planet, Planet of the, of the Apes, Apes. Much Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> All right. Uh, we also have to thank. Thank you, Danielle Pelshaw. Thank you for watching uh, this movie, and hopefully there will be more big holy shit for you to enjoy in the future. Hit the other guy too, just because oh, I always and, I always get two with John and Connor Sweeney. Fucking love you, man, and we're hoping to get you on the show again soon. And we hope to be shouting you out, listener, who is not one of the four people we just mentioned, uh, <laughs> because we're growing the show. And head on over to Patreon. We just want you there so bad. You know, come and hang out with the cool kids, man. This is like yeah, a cool bro. kid table. We got some super cool uh, bonus episodes. I'm really a big fan of those. And if you want to mm-hmm. round out your uh, your listening pleasure of Planet of the Apes, you're going to have to go to Patreon because yep. that's where that episode's dropping. Uh, battle of battle, battle for the Planet of the Apes. Actually, and if you want to see all the remakes and sequels and all that shit, Shit. Good shit. Fun shit. All that good fun shit. I don't know what was just happening there. He went a little like. I did. I, I was channeling my inner Hester. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> All right. Like, it's just some roid rage happening. Dude, for so that's it. Yeah. Well, actually, I got to go. Anyway, it's not important. So today, I'll tell you off mic. But do you? No. I don't either. Anywho, <laughs> that's good. That's good, Carl. Neither of us have to shit right now. Awesome. <laughs> so that's it for the first episode of this. <laughs> Amazing show you're listening to, Measuring <laughs> Welcome to season two. It's going to be a lot of this. <laughs> so get ready, baby. Hey.